Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, February 8th. We are here live. It's time for Destination Health. We are going to open the phone lines. We have a guest today. I'll be announcing the guest here shortly. We'll bring him in, but uh, we'll be taking your calls and questions as well. So it's a health free-for-all today. You can ask anything you want. Uh, We have a functional medicine doctor with us today, so uh, we may open that up for some questions after we talk to him for a bit. Either way, line him up, 855-950-3835. That's the number to join us. Pick up the phone and jump in. Um, We have got a lot going on. I want to remind you of the um, Dr. Wolfson's uh, upcoming summit. It's an online summit. You don't want to miss this. It's free. That's the real key here. And I'm I'm, I'm asking you for your help this time. You know, people always say, what can we do to help you? And normally, you know, not a whole lot. Support our store, support the things we do. That's fine. Um, This is a special request. And I'm doing it because this won't cost you anything. Uh, You can register for the summit free. It's seven days. You get six speakers every day. Uh, Really, really good material. And that is all free. Of course, they're going to try to sell you something throughout this whole process. That's kind of the point. Everybody's got to make a little money. But to get uh, access to over 30 really uh, top level practitioners in the summit, the summit is called Your Path to a Hundred Year Heart. Uh, That's Dr. Wolfson's easiest way. We made it really easy for you. Um, Go to our website, letstruck.com. Right at the top, you'll see the banner. Click on it. That uh, locks in your spot. Again, seven days of a summit with uh, six speakers every day. That won't cost you anything. So head on over to letstruck.com and get uh, get signed up for that. I'm not seeing our guest yet this morning. Let me check real quick, um, see what might be going on with that. Uh, one second. I wish I could figure out how to type and talk at the same time. I just can't do it. Um, Angie heard me. She's already checking. Um, we had a guest lined up today. We'll see um, where they're at. I had some notes here for after the guest. I really don't want to get started on another topic, um, you know what? I think I'm going to grab this call while we're, instead of me going off on another topic and then interrupting it when we get the doctor in, I'll just grab this call real quick. Let's go to Iowa. Thomas, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I'm a first-time caller. I listened to you for a couple of years. You guys are like family, man. You're so, ah, I just love you. Anyhow, Thanks. long story short, my wife just went and had a, uh, Colon, uh, colon ostermine or wherever they stick the tube up their ass. <laughs> I can't remember the name of that. Colonoscopy. But hey, they found some. Yeah, there yeah. we go. She found some. They found some polyps. One was almost going to cause her blockage if she didn't get it out of there. They nipped them off. Uh, she's been on that goddamn standard diet. Just terrible, yeah. you know. And I've yeah. been trying to. Kind of nicely tell her, but whatever. <laughs> I thought, fuck it, she'll live 100 years longer than me, probably, so I don't know nothing. But I, now I she's having trouble. 
<laughs> and I need your, she's ready to listen is what I'm trying to say. So okay. I need your uh, opinion on pilots. I've never heard that on the show yet. Yeah, we, you know, we, um, we don't talk about it a lot. Um, if we get, um, if we get our guest in, oh, we've got our guest in. Um, maybe I'll just bring him in. You know, here's, here's my take on that. Um, we do nutrition. I mean, it, it, and that's where we start. That's where, that's what we do. We do nutrition. We do lifestyle. If we have a medical condition and we need to address it, um, I really like to do it with the doctor. And that's why we partner with so many doctors so we can get those opinions. Um, there's really not a lot to really say about this. I mean, maybe we can understand it a little better, but they've already done the procedure. And all we can do now is move forward. The, the real key here, if she continues forward with the standard American diet, this is just the beginning. It, it just gets worse from here. Um, nothing ever gets better with what the traditional medical community is going to do. Um, they'll, they'll get her on colonoscopies every year just to check. And, and colonoscopies are not risk-free. They, there are, you know, damage done I, I, all the way up to death. It's not that common. I don't want to, you know, freak people out, but you, you need to at least be aware. And should we be doing a bunch of colonoscopies? In my opinion, no. Um, so if she's ready to listen, um, what do you think her biggest concern is and, and what do you think she's really willing to do with diet? Okay, they sent it in. They just did it yesterday. She won't get the test back to see if it's cancerous for till probably Friday. But I had told her she'll probably have to go on that carnivore diet for at least 30 days. Just try it for 30 days, and then we can go from there. So I know to tell her. You know, it, it, not necessarily carnivore. Um, I like carnivore. We see a lot of results from it. It works really well, sometimes as kind of a, a short-term intervention for some people. A lot of people have, have done it extended and still seem to be doing it well. You know, we, we like to meet people where they are. So we could do a Nutri-Q. We could find out, you know, is she really insulin resistant? Is that something we need to address? If, if it's not, maybe we can do something a little less extreme, you know, a little more paleo, uh, maybe a low-carb paleo. So there, there are other options. We don't have to go right to the extreme. Sometimes we like to, and sometimes it works well. But if, if we have a, you know, a, a client who is a little leery of making those kind of changes, sometimes you don't want to be too extreme in the beginning. You remember, the people that listen to this show have had eight years of this progression, Right. You listen to the show all the time. We, we've kind of progressed and changed over the years. Right. Right. And I, I have the, I'm just privileged to be have the chance to listen to your show every day. Well, People work and can't, you know. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And, and that's, you know, when you get to hear it every day and you get to hear the progression, we kind of get used to things over time. I, I'll be honest. The first time I heard the carnivore diet, I thought it was insane. That it was way too extreme. And really, it's not. But that took me a long time to even come to that realization. And it was results. 
I mean, we just kept seeing enough people really do well with it. And not just ours, other practitioners that we partner with. Um, what about this, Thomas? Can I put you back in the queue? I want to get to, uh, to our guest. And then how about if I bring you back in um, when we have some time for Q&A with him? Does that sound all right? Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yes, sir. Thank you. Let me do that. I'm going to put you back in the queue. I want to get to our guest. I want to bring in uh, Dr. Rob Abbott, the founder of Resilient Roots. Dr. Abbott, welcome. Good morning. Well, hello there. Um, Sorry I kind of had you in the the wings waiting there, but uh, we had a call come in and I thought, well, I'll grab it and we'll get to you. So, uh, Good morning. I'm glad you're here. What I mean, you? I was I was entertained. I was I was listening <laughs> in. I was like, "This is good. I'm I'm cool listening." <laughs> good, good. Um, and I, I'm not sure at what part you came in. The questions about his wife. She really hasn't changed her diet. He has, and um, she had some polyps show up on a colonoscopy. I guess they nipped him, and um, they're sending him out to see if is it cancerous or not. So at some point. I may want to get your take on that and uh, bring him in if you're okay with that. Totally. Excellent. Sounds great. Excellent. Uh, Why don't we start off? Why don't you uh, give us some background? Give us some history. How did you come to medicine? And more importantly, how did you come to functional medicine and what you're doing today? Yeah. So appreciate the question. The shorter version was I... um, was a very overachieving student in early, <laughs> really in college and early, early medical school, and uh, just did not have sustainable habits across the board um, from a diet, you know, dietary intake, and activity, and any kind of mindfulness practices. It was just um, very unsustainable trajectory, and I sort of reached a pretty significant breaking point about six months into med school, and. Yeah, pumped the brakes and actually left at school, took a, took a year leave. And it was very early on in that leave that I started to become aware of more ancestral and sort of evolutionary health as well as functional medicine. And I mean, some of the things when I was that brand new to the concepts were pretty provocative and <laughs> very different than, you know, I, <laughs> I'd only been in school for about six, seven months, but like still very, very different. And I was, you know, still very much in an eager learning phase and just started to adopt things rather quickly in my own life. And then sort of of made my own medical school through podcasts, you know, like this. And and this was, gosh, 10 10 years ago now, uh, 2013, when this really started and podcasts were really, I mean, there's still definitely a thing now. Um, and, but just sort of listening to all these podcasts and reading and, and was just blown away. Um, so much so that I almost didn't go back to med school. I was like, I don't see how I'm going to fit in (laughs) and how I can really, you know, um, achieve what I want to achieve. And, um, it was actually more of my, my community and, I'm in Virginia and specifically in, in Charlottesville, Virginia at the, the University of Virginia. It was more of actually the community there that I built up in my year off that I didn't want to move away from. So I was right. like, okay, I think it's going to be a lot of discordance um, and dissonance, but I think I can make this work. And ultimately, I want to be a medical doctor right. and have my own practice. So 
<laughs> wow. Went back to school a, and did all of medical school with wow. a functional mindset. Um, that's crazy. So, I, I, I'm trying to yeah. think about that because that, that's such an intense education. And yet it, mm-hmm. it was so counter to what the education you were getting on your own. You know what's interesting about this? Um, I'd love your take on this. Uh, this idea that if you were working with anybody, whatever your designation might be, this whole idea of, well, you're not a doctor, and where did you go to medical school? Mm-hmm. And, oh, did you get your education on the internet? And my answer is kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. I did. That and a lot of books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did. What's wrong with that? And how, why does it matter how you come to the knowledge? Yes, I'm in complete agreement. And I mean, I've scared, freaked out people a few times by if they really wanted to know like what percentage of education learning have, is informing my practice in this very moment, the majority that informs it was self-directed um, and, and yeah, experience with, with patients. And I think that's, you know, and historically, that's really how we would have, have learned. It's kind of laughable that, you know, medical education, this goes down other rabbit holes, but medical education <laughs> costs $250,000. And it's just, uh, I mean, everything education has gotten bloated, but um, there's, there's, and this exponentially increasing amounts to theoretically learn. And you just, and my approach the whole way is like, what do I really need to know to, to help someone? And I say, you know, we're all humans first. And so I truly, despite being a medical doctor, like I'm have tons of colleagues and, and friends that have all different training and see that they are practically helping people and we can, we can be a community and try to respect kind of one, one another's background. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> kind of fascinating that, really the self-directed learners these days are, are really uncovering and exploring things that in very dedicated education, educational and pedagogical structures, they're not getting. <laughs> so, Yeah, you know, one of the things, and I, I hate to keep bashing on our medical system, but I think we have to. It's so broken. It, we've got to do something. You know, it's almost like we're creating a, a parallel system um, which I really consider the true health care system. I think we should call our, our current medical system our sick care system. That, that's really what it is. I mean, they're awesome for trauma, injury. You know, we have the best in the world. Um, for general health care, I can't imagine how they could make it any worse than what our system is right now. It, it's just that bad. And, you know, forget all the research. Everybody can prove, you know, that being a vegan is the healthiest way to eat or somebody can probably prove the grapefruit diet is the best thing that ever happened. I'm sure there's research out there. So you really can't trust research. You know, everybody wants to post, no, here's the proof. Well, here's six other, you know, proofs that say the opposite. So really it it comes down to results and the results are so stark between these two systems you watch the people in the traditional medical system and 
eventually they'll have some condition with a name and they'll get a drug. And then they'll have another condition with a name and they'll get another drug. Mm -hmm. And that's the progression. And nobody gets healthier in that system. Everybody gets sicker. They end up with more problems every year and every decade. Now you switch over to the functional world and the stories are just endless of incredible improvements. People coming off drugs that they've been on for 20 and 25 years. And how, how long is it going to take for that to catch on, if ever? Yeah, you're exactly, I'm a results-oriented guy myself. And I think, you know, I, from a statistical kind of analytical mindset, you know, I'll, I'll kind of throw out the most extremes, like the extremely bad and the, you know, extremely amazing. And then when you look at that middle of that bell curve, the results with any sort of functional approach are just, yeah, it's night and day. Right. And I've been having students coming in my clinic, getting precepting hours for almost three and a half years now. So long that actually the first student I had is now, I'm now hired her on in the, in the oh, clinic. Oh, wow. That's and exciting. I, I, yeah, it's, it's really rewarding. And yeah. I always joke, like, I don't have to preach any gospel to them. They just That's you know, right. are seeing the labs. They're seeing the patients. The people are getting better, and they're learning something that they didn't know before. And, like, this just, you know, makes sense. And you're seeing people saying that they're better and, and seeing labs that are better. And that's where I always try to really check my bias. I'm like, you know, do I have, am I just, is it, you know, uh, where are my blind spots here? But yeah, right. when right. you look at the results over and over again, like when people stick to some of the recommendations, they, they, you may not cure them and they may not get all the way better they want to, but people get better. They learn something and it's just not what happens in traditional medicine. You know, when I've talked about this in the past, I've always made it very clear that I, I don't blame the doctors, that, that most people that exactly. get into medicine do it because they want to help other people. I mean, you have to believe that. It's an it's a incredibly difficult journey, the, the cost, the time, um, residency. It, it, the, the whole system, actually, if you really look at it, seems broken. But I've always said this isn't the doctor's fault. It's the system. But at some yes. point, at, at some point, and are we there yet? It, don't we have to say as a doctor, at some point, you have had to have come in contact with this other way. And, and are you just going to ignore it forever? Yes. And I think you bring up a great point that you know, I've obviously experienced in my life. And, um, you know, I we can there's a beautiful sort of description segue of a, of a, of a book I just released sort of describing this and my, my own experience. Um, but it's not the, the doctor's fault. It's the system. At the same time, it is up to every individual to, to take ownership of their situation. And that's not to say that, you know, there's tons of inertia, right? When you get so much debt, you, you know, let's start a lifestyle. You need to maintain that, yeah. and, you know, People don't know that how to do anything else. They get such specialized education um, that they don't know, you know, if they haven't even seen a clinic like ours or, or, or someone else working in an online setting, they don't even know it's possible to help people right. in a different way. Exactly. And so they, they may start to have like, you know, and if you talk to them, most of them say like, 
definitely not 100% happy and there's some disconnect. So it does like, there's a middle ground of the system is so broken as so much bad inertia, but you know, it takes kind of the extreme of my situation to be like, wow, this is so broken. I don't want this. I'm going to do all these challenging things to like create my own lifestyle. That's just not, you know, normal. Um, but so we can't expect physicians who don't have, who get so specialized. It's like in any relationship, you're expecting an outcome that will never be delivered if they don't have that skill set or knowledge. And you can give, you know, mad about it or frustrated about it, but it's really unfortunate, unfortunate reality. Yeah. Um, you know, like 10 years ago, you, you started about 10 years ago. We started about eight or nine coming up on nine years ago. I, I, clearly you could say, it's entirely possible you've just never been exposed to any of this. You know, especially a doctor. We know what their schedule's like. It's insane. What They don't have time for anything. Um, you know, they're hounded by, by drug reps, and, and they don't have time with patients and insurance and all the other crap about the system that's broken. So you could say they just haven't come in contact with this. But that, it's really hard to use that excuse anymore. Yes, I think we've definitely reached the tipping point of exposure and just also how virtual things are. I mean, just just the amount of information out there. And I mean, even the most traditional of doctors, like in our smaller town, have come into contact with a patient of ours, I'm sure. <laughs> like, right. They've become, become aware of, you know, and they're like, wow, there's this other practice doing this other thing and this patient is getting their better. Like, so there's the percentage of people who can sort of say like, I have no knowledge or exposure is so small. Um, but it is still kind of sad when I was in the residency, my, my peers who I all, all great men, um, and in family medicine, they, even the osteopathic ones that can be a little more integrative minded and get a different skill set, Like they, the things I was doing, they were very interested in, but it was very foreign. And that was already much too late. Like they're committed to this traditional yeah. trajectory. They're going to be a, a traditional doctor and will be in an insurance system and be very limited in how they can operate. And it's like, so where is the intervention point? I mean, it has to sort of be kind of where I experienced it as, <laughs> as challenging as it was going yeah. to school, like wanting to do something very different. Like I did ultimately, I was like, I'm going to, I can make my own way. I have my own control of this education. That's almost where you have to catch people if you don't truly have a separate educational structure. Otherwise, when they get farther down the track, I mean, because most people, it's like they're 20 years in a practice and they're disillusioned and they're, you know, changing jobs or changing, you know, their whole perspective. But if you want someone early on, you have to get them as upstream as possible. Otherwise, like even seemingly earlier in training, it's almost too late to, to, to support them and going in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you look at the, the functional model and you look at the challenges of the startup and the issues with insurance. And, you know, it, it's a whole different model to try to build that business. And honestly, I don't know how you manage to support all that debt coming out of medical school with that model. That would be a real challenge. You know, one of the best stories I, I, I have about this, um, uh, Dr. Wolfson. Uh, has become a good friend of mine, and he's a regular on the show. I just hung out with him at a conference. And the very first time I had him on the show a couple years ago, 
Um, and, and just having the same conversation about doctors in the system. And his father was a cardiologist. He grew up in that world. He became a cardiologist, regular practice for years and years. Um, happened to meet a woman at a, a medical conference, and she was a chiropractor. And she kind of was his exposure to that other way of doing things. And, and he had just never been exposed to it. Once he was, he became a total convert. And, and he changed his entire practice. He's, he's totally natural now. Um, got away from the insurance and the system and all that other stuff. But what he said on, on the air, um, I just found it, it just really powerful. He actually said, and I, I can't imagine how hard this is, after growing up watching your father do this, all the, the sacrifice of going through medical school and the cost and becoming a cardiologist. And, and he said, Kevin, he said, I, I spent the first part of my practice killing people slowly and I want to spend the rest of my life and I hope I can make up for it. Mm -hmm. I, I just, you know, we need a lot yeah. more doctors to come to that realization. Mm -hmm. I think it highlights something that you know, every physician in training and physician takes at some point in time. People are kind of familiar with Hippocratic Oath, and each school has a little bit of a different derivative of some of the oaths taken at different yeah. ceremonies at stages of training. Um, but one thing that I truly, truly take to heart, and I'm you know here as he's saying that, is first do no harm. Right. And that's the thing that just I when I look at any traditional approach, it's hard to see, um, and it's not with malicious intentions, but it's hard to see where anyone's really leading with uh, first do no harm. And there's obviously the physical harm, I think, you know, functional medicine and that approach with certain practitioners, I see a lot of financial and psycho-emotional harm if, you know, care is not really delivered in a proper way. So it's not that any side is... Uh, immune to, to it, but truly trying to approach with, like, at worst, let me do no harm if possible. And that's why dietary lifestyle and, and most supplemental interventions, they, they, they're able to fit that. They may not carry the potential for, like, radically shifting a symptom as quickly, although most of the time they can, compared to your medicine, but they almost all carry, like, minimal risk. And when I'm weighing building a treatment plan, I truly want to start there. And when you approach it humbly like that and, and explain it to patients who, again, are still going to be, again, you know, want that symptom to be gone as quickly as possible. They sort of understand and they get it. They're like, I know you want me to feel better, but you also don't want to hurt me. And we want to do things methodically. And that's just um, sadly kind of unknowingly for the vast majority of traditional medicine doctors, they're truly not doing the first do no harm because the bag of tricks they've been given, um, almost none of them have that as a as an element of the, the treatment. Uh, yeah, you know, the one example of this I've just been talking about recently, we could go on and on and on all day with examples. But um, one of the things that makes me a little crazy is the all the medical advertising 
the pharmaceutical advertising. Only two countries in the world. I know. Can't we get a clue that we're, there's only two countries in the world that allow this and we both have destroyed our medical systems over this? Um, now, I, I, this commercial, another drug commercial, there's so many of them, but this one just made me crazy. I don't know why. Um, it, I, I think it was because of the way they do it. They never talk about a drug throughout the whole commercial. There's no drug name. There's no mention of a drug. There's no long list of side effects. One of the reasons I kind of figured out is because once you find out what the commercial is really trying to push, um, they're pushing a drug off label. I'm pretty sure it's illegal to do that in advertising. The doctor can prescribe it. I don't think they can advertise a drug off label. Mm -hmm. So I think they got figured out a way around it. They just don't talk about the drug on the commercial at all, and they guide you to a website. And the website guides you to the drug. So, I, so they, they, this commercial, all they ever talk about are, is hot flashes. They're talking to women about hot flashes, how horrible they are. You know, this is so, so bad. And so go to this website. No talk about a drug, nothing like that at all. You go to the website, there's, you know, quizzes and you know, all kinds yeah. of great resources and videos, really well done. You can tell they spent a lot of money just on this website. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what they're prescribing for hot flashes? Talk about first do no harm. SSRIs for hot flashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is that insane? Yeah. yeah. No, they, I, I watch very little. TV and I've watched, watched very little TV for a while, but every now and then I'll, you know, be with family and something will be on. And, um, and there's obviously certain windows where the drug advertising, like the morning television, right. you know, when older folks may be watching, yeah. like every other ad is like a drug. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, the same, it's like playful music, frolicking through a field <laughs> and right. then like, Oh, let's speedily list all these like, and, Here, and people actually, you know, we're on my end seeing the people, you know, on those drugs and seeing the trade-offs or adverse side effects. It's like, wow, this is, you know, again, everyone wants people to feel better, but we don't talk about trade-off and risk. It just gets approached as, oh, this is solution. There's no other option. There's like no real risk with it or trade-offs. And when you start really like talking about trade-offs, benefits and risks, costs, you know, getting into actually true informed consent over something. Most people say, you know what? I do want to feel better, I'm, but I'm not willing to do that. That doesn't, you know. But they don't, you don't have that conversation right. uh, in, a, in a regular setting. It's like, this is the only option. And there's just a really big power dynamic of like, I need to do what the doctor says. And I truly tell people when they come back, like, I'm going to treat you no different if you did anything I said or did everything I said. Like, I want to help you with where you are right now, but you're not going to gain any points and I'm not going to treat you better or worse. <laughs> but, you know, but in a traditional setting, because I hear people, you know, that's the experience. It's like, you know, I have to take this or like the doctor won't keep seeing me or whatever. And this is really unfortunate because, you know, the, when we need the specialists, they can be really helpful. And I, you know, in very targeted instances, refer patients when we have questions at hand and we want to gather information, but they're never going in like, oh, I'm just going to immediately be on a drug. I'm like, go talk to them. Let's right. get the data. Let's talk about it. And I'll share my perspective. Like I'm neither 
anti or pro drug. There's very few instances where it makes sense, but I'm not like as a principal uh, you know, against it. Let's talk about it. Right. And it's just a much more balanced uh, approach. Um, but it's yeah, the drug ads are just horrendous. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it's awful, unspeakable. I know. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, hey, you have a kind of a, a, a framework you use. Um, the eight elements. I, I want to get to that, and I want to really focus on one in particular after we go through all eight. But just says nothing to do with anything yeah. except I just kind of realized my last three guests. You guys are almost all neighbors. I had uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I had, a couple of weeks ago I had Joel Salatin on. He's right there in Swope, not not far yes. from you. And yeah. um, just yesterday, yeah, I did a recording uh, with Sally Norton, and she's in Richmond. Mm, she's you're, Richmond. Yeah, yeah, you're like right mm-hmm. in between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's so funny. Rep- representing Central Virginia, it sounds yeah. like. So. Yeah, um, Joel's a great yeah. guy. We, we love having him on. It's always a great show, and he's on. And uh, Sally's new book on oxalates is, is really interesting. Yeah, no, I've loved um, Yeah, I love both, both of their ideas and their work, and Joel is just really eccentric and smart dude. And yeah. um, I mean, I get some of their meat and they're also, if I don't have their meat specifically, their companies are processing for the people that I'm getting meat from. You're so right. They're right. Um, doing some, some awesome work. Yeah. I'll bet their, uh, I'll bet their egg operation is doing a pretty brisk business these days, huh? Yeah. You know, it's uh, walking around the grocery stores here is, Interesting seeing, uh, I mean, everything, but eggs have been interesting recently, um, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I really love what they're doing and just the education for other folks to make kind of their model sustainable. And it's just, it's surprising. I've gotten, you know, get beef from lots of different places and yeah, pretty much everyone is using their processing network, which is like, a, that's the main backup for a lot of folks. Um, they're you know, booked out months and months for, for processing some of the animals. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I love what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your eight elements, your framework for the eight elements. I love this. Um, why don't you go through the elements for us real quick? Just kind of give us uh, a, a short description. And then when you do that, I want to come back and focus on one of them. Yeah, sure. You're you know, putting me on the spot to have a good memory. With oh, I, I, I can help. Oh, I know how that but, goes. The, uh, I, I've got yeah, it in front of so me, so I'll, the, uh, I'll, we could do it together. Yeah. Uh, let's start with yeah, nutrition, so. right? I mean, that that has to be the the key. It's almost like, um, you know, I, there's a there's a concept called keystone habits. You know, you change one habit, and if mm-hmm. it's the right one, it kind of spreads throughout. And I, when it comes to health, I'd have to say this is the keystone habit. You know, some people will say, yeah. you know, it, you know, movement is more important, or and we could argue it all day long. It seems to me like, though, we see the best results when we can convince somebody to just change your diet. I even tell them for the first 30 days, yeah. Um, as much as I know, there are some supplements I could recommend that would help during that time. I kind of took the approach. We're just going to tell them nothing for the first 30 days. Don't think about supplements. Yes. Just, yes. just, just let's just change mm-hmm. the way you eat. You know, for one thing, 
let's make sure you can commit to this and do it for 30 days. Because if you can't, the last thing I want to see you do is spend $500 on supplements that are going to be worthless if you don't change your diet. Yes. No, it's, I agree with you. And I've been using a term that one of my, you know, I say colleagues and friends now, which is interesting because he was the first podcast I was listening to, but Chris Kresser really started um, using, it's more of a term used in genetics, but um, uh, pleiotropic. Yes. Basically meaning, you know, something having multiple effects that you may not otherwise expect. And, you know, basically applying that to a lot of these lifestyle treatments and that's where nutrition truly is arguably potentially the most pleiotropic of them. Like so many systems are affected. I mean, and when you break it down to, it's sort of obvious, like that's both communication and raw material. So no, you can't really go wrong by um, providing the body the appropriate raw material and the right information to be in balance. And it amazes me that that's something that if someone just sticks with a nutrient dense way of eating for several months, I mean, you're literally going to turn over tissue in that time. And beyond just like looking better, they will, it will feel better. And there's an easy, you know, it's easy to sort of feel this novelty bias of like, oh, now I need to do something more. It's like maybe you just need to keep actually doing this and literally turning right. over the tissue in your body over right. a few months. And um, that's, it's, it's amazing. So I agree with you. And it's usually the most accessible, I mean, because we're eating every day. Right. So it's not like it's, yeah. it's avoidable. Yes, there's fasting interventions, but um, so I agree with you. And where it's interesting, where it's usually not the, the first thing is when people come in and they've already done a whole bunch of stuff and they're, they're getting in the weeds of like, right. you know, you know over quantifying. It's like, that's when you're like, okay, you got that pretty solid. Let's like, look at these other seven areas. And right. See. I bet you we can right. find some that you're more likely, but yeah, starting out as, as a solid, you know, foundational habit. It's, it's so essential. You know, the other thing I, I, I really like to start with and key on it is it, all these other things are powerful. There's no doubt we're going to talk about them, but none of them will give you the same kind of results in a short period of time. They, they just won't. And I, I think when you exactly. give somebody that big win, you know, you build some trust. You know, because we're bringing them some yeah. pretty crazy concepts. Yes, you should be eating a lot of fat. You know, you shouldn't worry about, you know, calories in and calories out. And you should eat till mm-hmm. you're full. As long as you're eating the right foods, you will not overeat. You know, we're telling them some pretty radical stuff. You know, we're, we're telling them that, that butter and eggs are not the devil and they're not going to kill you and give you a heart attack. And yes. so, so <laughs> you know, of course they're leery. And I think when we can give them that big win with nutrition, then we build that trust. Yes, and I agree. And I mean, I, as maybe annoying as it may be to get some of the pushback on things like that, that you just want to be like, no, that's not a big deal. You know, do what I'm saying. I welcome that. It's like, I don't want to be just trusted blindly. I want right. people to like share. Question me. Because um, that's quick, you know, question. Like, don't just accept what we say as, as gospel. Let us you know, implement it and support our reasoning. But because it's all understandable um, that there would be confusion and distrust because exactly as you said earlier, 
I mean, if you want to, you can go to PubMed and quote unquote find prove <laughs> evidence. Uh, prove or have evidence for anything you want. It's yes. like, just because it's on PubMed, it's like, no, that doesn't mean anything. You can prove whatever you want. So, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with the questioning. As, you know, as annoying as it may be as a practitioner, it's like, I'm, I'd much rather actually have that than like this blanket acceptance of you know, know, what we're saying. I- I tell people when when you're dealing with something like this important, whether it's health, your business, your money, you know, I help people with all of those things. I tell people if you want to really get the best results from any of these processes, whether it's going to a practitioner for your health or your money or whatever, I, I want you to act like a four year old. And they say, what? Huh? And I say, here's what I want you to do. Every time they say something, I want you to say why. Just be like an annoying yeah. four-year-old. Just keep saying why, <laughs> you know, and, 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 mm-hmm. and make them explain it to you. Don't just blindly trust anybody. Yes. No, I, I love it. Uh, we have a, a three-and-a-half-year-old. He's, he's <laughs> goes in and out of the Y phase. He'll probably be even more in the Y phase, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. And, yeah, no, and, mm-hmm. Four-year-olds are really intelligent. They know how to learn. They know how to get information out of somebody. We need to be like four-year-olds. Just to, you know, here, here's beginner's mind. Here, here's the thing that it does, especially in in today's world where everybody has access to the internet and all kinds of information, and and you know, they're they're. Here's what most people are doing, and this is the quickest way to catch them at it. Most people, even people who are giving advice, even people who are so-called influencers, and and you know, have a million followers. None of that really matters if all they're doing, and a lot of them are, they're just repeating things they've heard that they don't even really understand. Yes. They're just repeating exactly. things. And the quickest way to catch somebody at that is when they make a statement, just ask why or why not. And when they go blank mm-hmm. and they start with mm-hmm. the word salad, you know that all they're doing is repeating something. They don't understand it. They may even be right. But do you really want to follow somebody who is just following somebody else and repeating what they're saying? Or do you want to work with somebody who understands what's going on? Yeah, no, that's a really great point. And and I see a lot of, and I'm also not immune to, and will continue to do, um, you know, inadvertently. And it's only really with, I'd say beyond education, like working with people and really seeing, having their questions and seeing what works, really checking those blind spots. And like, did I just you know, regurgitate something that I you know, read? How do, what's my true understanding of this? And, or is this supported by you know, what I've observed with, with patients? Because, and that's kind of how high ideas and things get perpetuated. And I always joke, like, I think, Adrenal fatigue was one of those that definitely got like a few years ago. Like that was a bunch of storytelling that just kind of like, you know, got perpetuated and then um, could pick out other yeah, how about, other examples, but how, it's... Uh, how about this one? And, and bef- I, one of the things I want to do when, when I talk to practitioners and I get people on, I always try to bring this topic up. I, I want to make sure that, that we don't go down the same road that the medical community did, where they, have, they will just yes. never admit they were wrong. We can't do that. Exactly. We have to be willing to say, look, we got it wrong. 
you know, we, we thought the evidence led to this conclusion, and, and now that we have more data, it just doesn't. We were wrong. We have to be able to do that. How about, you know, eight years ago, gluconeogenesis? Don't eat too much protein. It's going to turn to sugar, and you'll be diabetic. Uh, how many of us repeated that over and over yeah. and over? Yeah, there's definitely still I saw a post the other day about yeah, protein and insulin. I was like, that's just not ninety nine point nine percent of people's problems. Right. But but for really a, a, a couple really of years that was like a big thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we, we just we just have yeah. to be able to admit, you know, we got that one wrong. Um, most of what we're doing works and, and we'll adjust and we learn something from it. Exactly. All right. So moving, moving along, the next thing on your eight elements, physical movement. And I love that you worded mm-hmm. it as physical movement, not exercise and not working out. And um, just another thing we have, have so screwed up, this idea that you should spend a bunch of money yeah. and have a gym membership and go hang out in a toxic building doing repetitive movements over and over <laughs> and over. That's just not mm-hmm. that great of an idea. Yeah, no, it's, I much, we much prefer the broader term of physical movement. And I mean, that's also just what um, our evolutionary history. And when you really dig into some of the literature and the data, what, what supported. And so there's so many different categories, you know, I kind of break down physical movement into four or five categories. So, you know, one is resistance type training, body weight type training, which can totally be lifting weights. Like i I lift weights a couple of times a week. I really enjoy it. It also can be, you know, pushing my toddler up a steep hill on a stroller, right. carrying a bunch of groceries, you know, yeah. like someone's on a farm doing farm work. Like it's uh, honestly some of the like bigger things I do. And I you know, don't, I don't have a manual labor job, but it's like in day to day life, like our, our, you know, you work in, you get creative um, and can be, can be strenuous. Um, so resistance type training, body weight type training is one the second is definitely cardiorespiratory training. Now, like, I'm not a fan of, like, hey, go to the toxic gym and get on the elliptical or treadmill, <laughs> right. you know, and stare at a screen. It's, like, <laughs> two feet from your face. Exactly. Um, like, I mean, if that is your jam, by all means, go ahead. But, like, that's not the requirement for, for health. That being said, definite strong correlations between cardiorespiratory fitness and a measure Absolutely. of that VO2 max yeah. and mortality. Yeah. So it clearly matters, um, but it's like, how does, what are the, the, the ways to train that or what are the ways that that can be um, incorporated? And that's where there's a lot of education about um, zone two training, more for like higher athletes, but it really applies to the average individual. And that's kind of like basically doing any kind of you know aerobic activity where you're still able to kind of talk and have a conversation. You're not getting out of breath and I mean at a metabolic standpoint it's sort of matched to someone's kind of lactate production and, and where they are with energetics but from a simple standpoint it's like being able to move and that's where walking can be uh can be something like that or you know, if you do want to get on a, on a on a peloton and do a little bit of zone two training um you can be creative about it but this idea of like I need to go like bust out some hard elliptical workout <laughs> like five days a week is just not, not going to get yeah. you there. And if you're, um, if you're not careful, it'll lead to adrenal fatigue. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, the uh, uh, um, the third category uh, that a lot of people are more aware of um, is like mobility. So I mean, there's yeah. so many access points into that. Um, you know, the my wife uh, and I we go to a couple of days a week. We have a local gym and um, really awesome community. She's very more social than I am. Like I'm cool and can work out um, you know, at, uh, and at home, um, but also like love people there. And we're doing all sorts of different dynamic things, um, but we also incorporate some conditioning and they also incorporate some mobility, yoga classes, um, you know, Pilates type work. There's different ways of doing that, but mobility is sort of an underappreciated domain and obviously sort of under approached just because it's maybe not as sexy as the other things. So you have resistance type work, you have cardiorespiratory type work, um, you have the mobility type work. Um, and then, you know, you also want to be um, aware of, you know, your muscle mass, which obviously resistance training is sort of supporting that, but other types of activities and mobility, like, you know, just building a muscle doesn't necessarily make it metabolically healthy or allow you to functionally move in a way that right. help or help prevent injury. So that's where, like, Know, muscle mass and balance training are very critical. I mean, that's one of the things that as we age, strong associations with hip fractures and mortality. Someone has a hip fracture later in life, like pretty good, you know, indicator, uh, depending on the baseline health that, you know, they may go downhill very steeply after that. And it's easy to blame the bone. It's like, well, no, not necessarily the bone's fault was, well, what was the you know, reason for the, for the fall? So balance type work and actually having, healthy muscle that's functionally allowing you to, to move is, is super critical. So that's where like we can be certain activities can train across domains. Certain activities can be more targeted, but appreciating that like physical movement really encompasses uh, a lot of different areas also frees us to not be stuck to like, well, you know, I, I'm a big believer in resistance training, mostly because I hate cardio. Um, so one of the things we've found, we, we work with truck drivers, so we, we've got a lot of pretty unique challenges around their lifestyle. Um, one of my first businesses, I opened a gym when I was 19. Um, I, I was really into the whole, you know, and, and it was not like a cardio gym. There were no cardio machines at all. This was a hardcore, you know, bodybuilding, powerlifting kind of thing. Um, so I, I've, I've got a, a long background in that, but I, I can remember, you know, that's when, you know, some of the machines were starting to come out. Nautilus, I, I can remember the Nautilus rep would stop mm -hmm. at our gym a couple times a year and try to convince us to switch to Nautilus. And I was totally against machines. No, this is, you know, real live weight stuff. Then when they started talking about the bands, you know, exercise bands, I, I looked at the mm -hmm. science and it made a lot of sense. It really did. It's just none mm -hmm. of them worked. They were awful. They, they, the mm -hmm. feel was terrible. <laughs> and I, I kept thinking there, mm -hmm. there's something here. The, the, the science behind yeah. it makes a ton of sense. And so I, I kept looking and, and, you know, we found the X3 bar. Have you seen that system? No, I'm going to check this out. Right the, um, the founder, um, Dr. Jayquish is his name. He started out working with seniors and helping with bone density. 
You know, we know resistance training mm-hmm. is by far the best way to maintain good, dense bones. You know, people don't understand that working mm-hmm. out is actually making their bones stronger as well as their muscles. And you just mentioned falls. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that was his his first, you know, that's what got him into this. And he actually developed a machine and they're they're all over the country. And the machine is a resistance machine designed for seniors. It's a way to get them to it. That was his big push. And, and what he, what the conclusion he came to, he has, he's got a really good book. It's short. It's not that long. It's called Weightlifting is a Waste of Time and So is Cardio. It's just a great book. And he, he describes, but what he managed to do, he finally came up with a band that feels right. It feels really good. Yeah. It doesn't feel springy and, you know, like it's going to snap back and whack you in the head. It, it feels a lot like just a really natural resistance movement. And the workout is literally just 10 minutes. I mean, he, he's big on not overtraining. Mm-hmm. So, so the philosophy behind wow, so yeah. the, the band and the bar is really nice for our clients because they can carry it in their truck, takes up almost no space. It's really easy to do anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the philosophy behind it, the, the bands themselves are better than, than live weights, not as good. They're much better. Um, the, the problem with a live weight, think about a bench press. Um, when the bar is sitting right on your chest, that is where you are the absolute weakest and your joints are in a bad compromise. Yeah. Your joints are compromised. They're in a bad position. And what we end up doing is we end up using a weight that we can get off of our chest. The problem is when you get to the midpoint and the rest of the movement, it's not heavy enough to stress the muscle, but we can't use more because we wouldn't be able to get it off of our chest. We'd have to have a spotter every time. So the bands just by nature, when that bar is on your chest with a band, it's now the, the band is at its weakest resistance, which is exactly what we want. And then when we get to the top of that movement, it's at its most resistance when we're our strongest. It makes total sense mm-hmm. that this is a much better way of doing this. And he finally got the band right. But then his other um, theory, and it really seems to hold true, you do one set per muscle, not, not one exercise, one set only per muscle, but mm-hmm. you do it to true failure to where you almost can't move the muscle anymore. So it's one set, but when you do, you know, 15 full reps and you can't do a full rep anymore, then you do three quarters and then you do a half and then you do a quarter and then you, you just stop when you're, you almost can't move that muscle anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's it, you're done. So you only do like four big movements and you're only doing one set per muscle and the workout's only 10 minutes. You do it a couple times a week. It's pretty incredible, mm-hmm. the results. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm very intrigued. Yeah, check, <laughs> check, check, check that out. You know, I, yeah. one more thing on, on movement. I, I love the way you described it. I, I, I'm going to go back to, you know, kind of acting like a four-year-old again. I, wouldn't it be fun? I keep thinking about this idea. You know, there are adult soccer leagues and adult softball leagues. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'd like to start an adult, let's play like a kid league. 
you know, the way we, I, I grew up in yeah. the, the 60s and 70s when, you know, kids were outside all the time. I mean, we talk about it, but so it, you just, you know, it, you got together with a bunch of kids and you made up games and they were fun. And, and wouldn't that be cool? I mean, this isn't politically correct, but I'd like to play a game of Smear the Queer mm-hmm. again and Battle Ball and, yeah. you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> battle Ball. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's I, really true. I, I, I fondly remember the imprint of a vinyl ball on the side of my face. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's definitely um, considerably younger, but still was able to grow up luckily in kind of a technology free period. So, like, yeah, that's we went outside and we played tag and we tag, built tree right. forts and yeah. rode our bikes in the whole neighborhood. <laughs> and, right. you know, did stuff in the woods and you're just, you know. Um, and I, I mean, I love when I get to go to the park with my. A toddler and just yeah. like he's running around he wants to go to the slide park and we're just jumping you know it's a it's just fun they're running around and um, and we need kind of more of that play which is one of the one of those eight elements um we're just very achievement work oriented in our in our society and a lot of folks and i know i needed this and, and still have to you know, insert that and he certainly by nature helps give a lot of it, like insert some of that, that playfulness. Um, because I mean, that's really kids naturally are doing that. So to think that like as adults that we suddenly shouldn't do any of that is sort of kind of ridiculous. <laughs> that's only a construct of like our, yes, yeah. we have responsibilities. Yes. We're protecting, but like the rest of it's kind of a construct. So you know, think and, that none of that applies yeah. would be silly. Think about that idea of kind of a, a, you know, an informal league. We get together, we play like kids. You know, it, it takes the, from your eight, it, physical movement, community, connection to nature if we mm-hmm. do this outside, play, yeah. self-awareness. Yeah. Don't we hit a ton of these with just one idea like that? You hit a ton. Exactly. No, and that's oftentimes, like, that's exactly, um, I mean, I love being out in nature, you know, as a family or getting together as groups, like you're, you hit on so many of those, which is just, again, you think about like historically what we would have done in, in communities, that's those things. So you're right on. I mean, it starts to really hit a bunch of those areas that can be really important and, and nourishing. You know, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I just looked at the clock. I can't believe we blew through an hour already. Are, are you okay on time? Yes, I I can go. I can definitely go a little bit longer. So okay, I'm, good. I'm good. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read down the eight elements real quick. Um, and I want to let people know um, you can get a lot more information on this on the website. Your website's got some great resources. Um, Resilient Roots. Uh, if you just search for Resilient Roots or Dr. Abbott, you'll find his website easy enough. Lots of great information on there. Here are the eight elements. It's nutrition, physical movement, resilience to stress, community, connection to nature, circadian rhythm, self-awareness, and play. I, I, I love all of those. One I really want to focus on um, and, and get your opinion on some of this. And it's because I've really been working on a big project around this for almost two years on and off. I haven't been working on it the whole time, but uh, I keep coming back to it and it, it's still evolving. And it really is around this idea of resilience to stress. And uh, the reason mm-hmm. I, I 
came to this project and we've worked so hard on it was, you know, we started helping people uh, about eight years ago, coming up on nine years. We do one-on-ones. We do some direct, you know, counseling with people. And we saw all the fantastic results that, you know, all the practitioners that do this see. We have all the great testimonials and I love all the stories. And then uh, about two years ago, we started to see a pattern that people who we had helped years before, all of a sudden were coming back and saying, ah, you know what, um, this symptom seems to be coming back. This isn't working really well. And my first thought, and I'm glad I caught myself, my first thought was to blame them. Oh, well, you must have slipped off the diet. Come on, Mm -hmm. right? And And I thought, wait a minute, that's what doctors do. Don't do that. Don't, don't just, you know, don't be so arrogant that you think, you know, just because we taught you this, that if it's not working, it must be your fault. And it turns out it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what we identified really was a pattern. We identified it through the NutriQ and, and talking to people and questioning them. They really had not slipped on their diet at all. In fact, if anything, the longer people do this, most of the time I see they just get better and better at it. And, and that was the case, that nobody was really slipping on the diet at all. And what we determined, it was nothing more than just stress. I mean, didn't the world get really stressful a couple of years ago? Yeah, it, uh, a little bit, you know, for, for <laughs> more than a month, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, we really kind of identified, look, that these they were the diet was not the problem here at all and we thought it was going to be and it turns out it was just stress and i started looking at uh, did you see any kind of a pattern like that have you noticed more issues around people being stressed certainly i think it's um, been probably one of the bigger domains that if anyone comes in with any baseline awareness of nutrition and has already implemented things is really where we oftentimes begin as our first access point. And there's a really good get around for a while. Um, I think it's called the Holmes and Rahi scale. And they essentially try to quantify various life events to sort of predict the likelihood of a health challenge in subsequent years. And what's interesting, and you'll see, you know, things on there, like some of the high ones are like death of a spouse or death of a loved one, um, divorce, like some big name ones have higher numerical values. What was interesting, pretty much through all of the period of of COVID, um, and not because of COVID, because of human response to it, a lot of, a lot of, um, low level ones were basically like, it's like we were starting at a deficit. Um, I forget exactly all of, you know, it's called 10 to 12 things. We were just like every human, you know, was, was operating with those in play. Um, so insert that as like, you're, you know, starting with debt and then insert some other event. And now you're, you're already primed yeah. to have, um, uh, a, a major change in health. Um, and so, but what was really, and still is kind of difficult to articulate is, and you kind of were alluding to it is, you know, it's not, um, anybody's, the individual's fault. Um, it's, it's more, more complicated. And that's where I sometimes use the term nervous system, which sort of, 
I mean, you can't separate any system from your being, but right, right. talking about the nervous system gets compromised and, you know, both from I mean, all sorts of events. And I'm seeing a lot of just really sympathetically driven or yes. entirely dysregulated nervous systems. Yeah. People are aware maybe the term dysautonomia um, or a, a, a type of dysautonomia type called POTS. And really, I've been kind of developing a, you know, a theory that you know, a lot of our technology and the way we live doesn't provide the right education for our nervous systems. So we're basically primed to be kind of in a perpetually dysautonomic, uh, imbalanced parasympathetic sympathetic state. Um, and so it's just become even more prevalent over these last few years because of all of the additional, just like both baseline stressors and then positive things that were, you know, either entirely removed oh, or good point. changed in, yeah. in, in radical ways. Yeah. So what's interesting though, is that even though we sort of talk about it, the nervous system, and this is why it can seem like it's blaming some of the ways to improve your nervous system are through conscious psychological techniques. So it gives the impression of like, Oh, I'm, you know, engaging into meditation or I'm doing some Olympic system retraining or, you know, I'm, I'm making, I'm doing these things consciously. That must mean like I, you know, consciously made these problems. Like, no, 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 that just happens to be a beautiful way to access the nervous system. And we actually have, you know, an ability to modulate our nervous system through conscious activities. Yeah. No, you had one of the things I, I found, I, I came to a, several conclusions about all this, and, and you know, I, I really believe, like a lot of other areas, we were just taking a, the wrong approach to stress in a lot of ways. One of the things we found is, is people, by the time, you know, they were dealing with the symptoms and trying to figure out what was going on and, and you know, how to get some help on this, they were pretty far gone. I mean, you know, you call it adrenal fatigue or burnout or, you know, whatever, but it, it almost to the point where it, it's almost hard to kind of get them restarted. You know, it, anything we mm -hmm. do to kind of get them restarted puts enough stress on their body that they're not recovering. I, it, we were dealing with people that were in that bad of shape. And I started realizing our first approach, I was doing it. This is another area where I will completely admit I was just wrong. Um, I've been telling people for years, you need to learn how to meditate. I, you know, I, the Muse headband device that helps you meditate. I've been promoting that mm -hmm. for years. Um, you know, I came to the conclusion that that's not really working all that well. Why not? What, what, why? Cause I believe in meditation. I've been doing it for years. I know I can get a benefit mm -hmm. from it, but it's just not working this time. What I, I came to the conclusion that our, our approach to stress right now seems to be just pure avoidance. And I do realize that if you meditate properly, it actually does start to retrain your brain, but it's not simple. Uh, it's frustrating if you don't understand it. And what I found was we're, we're taking this approach. It, it, it would be like trying to train for a marathon by avoiding running. We're trying to build stress resilience mm -hmm. by avoiding stress. It doesn't work. It, it seems that, you know, and, and I came up with, I, I tested and tried and read and researched all these different things that should put us back into the, you know, parasympathetic state. And 
are they really working or not? And and the the cool thing that really helped with this, we we partnered with Garmin. Um, and we developed a watch for truck drivers, you know, mm-hmm. like they have watches for golfers and nice. scuba divers. And, um, we did a watch for truck drivers. And while I was working with them, I, I, you know, got to work with their engineers and see how things were being, you know, how things were happening in the background. And, um, you know, HRV, I've, I've been working on HRV for years. They came up with a way on their latest watch that they convert the HRV number into a stress reading. Like instant stress. Like you can look, just look right down at your watch and see what level of stress you are right at that moment. And they do it on a scale from zero to 100. And it really helped us see what was going wrong here. That, that a lot of the things we were doing were, it, were counterintuitive. They just they weren't working at all. They were making us more stressed in a bad way. What I determined was mm-hmm. we really need to stress our body heavily in a very specific way. It's just like working out a muscle. I actually started referring to it as our stress mm-hmm. muscle. And we need to do these specific mm-hmm. tasks that strengthen our stress muscle. Then we can use those other strategies of you know minimizing mm-hmm. stress or, or getting away from it from a while, taking a break, mindfulness and meditation. But if we have this weak stress muscle, avoiding stress isn't going to do us any good. I mean, we might recover a little bit, but the minute we're back into stress, we fall apart again. And it turns out everything that builds our stress muscle makes us very uncomfortable. And I I think a big part of our problem as human beings is we have designed a world where we are just comfortable all the time. Perfect 70 Mm -hmm. degrees in our car, in every building we walk in and out of. If we go outside, we bundle up in the latest high-tech gear. We stay nice and warm and cozy. If it's too hot, we go in the air conditioning. Um, We do everything we can to avoid discomfort, and it's made us weak. Mm -hmm. That's a great example of, I use the term trade-off. It's the trade-off of convenience is um, you lose the proper stress. A more extreme example is like astronauts going into space and all of the, not just bone changes, but metabolic changes that happen in that environment. And we're not even aware of the stresses that are imperative for our functioning. And it really is, uh, I, I see it as education, you know, for the, the nervous system. You know, none of us are here to live a life with a zero stress upon us, we need to be able to respond and then recover. And that's with the resilience piece. Um, and one's ability to respond well and recover well, that's what's critical, not like eliminate every possible just you know, uncomfortable outcome or feelings. So right. it's um, I, I'm right there with you. And that's what we sort of realized that we need these particular targeted stressor, stressors. Now, where the environmental modification comes from is like, what's the unnecessary stresses that you're cumulatively exposed to that you right. can get rid of? Like, what are those needless things? And they, oh, and it's those things that are, you know, kind of seemingly innocuous and accumulative that can be really challenging. And that's where a you know, total screen time or when is the, the screen time occurring? Yeah. So what is the quality of your, your air? in your your home are you getting 
you know, into to natural spaces. Um, what is, what are you, you know, using, you know, a lot of this is toxic burden, but what are you using for every day for cleaning products? Right. What are you using as any, you know, you know, cosmetics? So like, that's where it's like, yeah, stress is a good thing, but like, where's the, where's the unnecessary, like, good point. Yeah. Damaging yeah. cumulative stressors. And can we, mitigate those so like you said let's like then we can really go at and really train the system in a, in a good way um, and that's where a lot of people when they start to get the foundations in place that's the next hurdle to really tackle and that really can take people to that next sustainable level or just make them even more metabolically flexible and overall resilient so yeah. that you know if they are in a place and they're not moving in the same way that they would or eating exactly the same way that it's not a, the system doesn't break down because I think something you said in that call when uh, first started, like, yeah, I mean, we can implement really restrictive ways of eating. And if that's necessary to kind of reset the system, happy to do it. But like, I want people to have the least restrictive nutrient dense way of eating. And I want them to have metabolic flexibility. Um, You know, right now in my practice, I'm seeing, patients having follow-ups after the holidays. And it's really fascinating. Obviously there's a spectrum of, you know, what people do for, you know, expanding their diet in the holidays, but the people that are not like metabolically flexible, they may have got made some improvements. Their system can't tolerate much. Like they start exercising a little bit less and even maybe a little bit outside of normal. They, um, their lives suffer. Other people that have greater metabolic flexibility, greater resilience to stress, they're doing okay. And maybe slipped a little bit and maybe isn't as optimal, but they're not, you know, going from optimal to pre-diabetic right. like some of these <laughs> right. you know, flexible folks. And that's yeah. where the nervous system piece just really um, can be over overlooked in terms of how it can affect those, you know, other, other areas. Absolutely. You know, you and I, I'm sure, could go on and on. There's so many topics I'd like to cover, but uh, we, we've got some calls on the line. Um, what do you say we take them? Let's do it. All right. a little, we're, uh, little water and yeah, we're gonna this. we're gonna bring Thomas back in first. Thomas, thanks for being patient. You're on with Doctor Abbott. No. Yeah, thanks for having me on your call. So, uh, Doctor Abbott, just... we'll we'll kind of jump right to the point here. You heard part of the call. Um, his wife's still eating the standard American diet. He's changed his diet. Um, she had a colonoscopy, some polyps showed up, they nipped him off, uh, don't have, you know, the answer on whether they're cancerous yet or not. And he's kind of wondering going forward, you know, what, what should they be doing going forward? Now we know if she doesn't change her diet, this is just going to get worse. I mean, this is, it, it never gets better from here. Um, she'll be on some sort of medication cause that's their goal. And, you know, we'll just progress the wrong direction from here. If she changes her diet, that changes the whole game. But uh, Dr. Abbott, any advice here? Yeah. So this is, I think you said it really, you know, really well. You're continuing to sort of follow a pro-inflammatory nutrient poor diet will you know, lead one down those trajectories. And you know, the question is, well, what's, what's worth trying to implement at this stage. And I heard you talking about the the carnivore diet or that way of eating. And I've certainly, you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, yeah, it seems a little extreme. <laughs> um, but I certainly have seen it be effective. And so have 
an open mind with things. I think what I, when folks are really coming from that kind of way of eating, really, and you, you highlight this, really try to meet people where they are. And the two things that would benefit the likelihood the most are simply focusing on, can I have uh, animal protein at every meal? Um, when, when you do that, you significantly increase nutrient density and it starts to crowd out the pro-inflammatory and less nutrient-dense foods. I call it, you know, subtraction by addition. You can focus on what are the things I need to remove or you can focus on I'm going to include these things and like by doing that, I can only eat so much. And what people don't really realize is our protein needs and as we age, are pretty high. So in our clinic, we're really starting folks and sometimes they have to grow into it because it's a big shift for them. They need about one and a half grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, which like simpler math is, um, uh, is about two pounds per, per kilogram. Um, so we do a little bit of, you know, back of the envelope math with folks and most of the time when they see that number, they're like, wow, that's, you know, a lot more than I'm eating. And say for an example, maybe we make it a round number of 100 grams. You have to really be, you know, getting 30, 35 grams at each meal, which that's a solid five ounces of protein. And that's going to be very satiating. Yeah. For some yeah. people, when they start there, I don't even care if the rest of the things that they eat then are, are junk. If they start with that, I know they're getting nutrient density, it's going to help satiate them and drastically decrease their um, desire to sort of eat anything else. The second thing is ensuring there's no um, liquid, useless liquid calories or naked carbs. Um, they Obviously, the carbs in themselves can be potentially problematic, but the liquid carbs, um, and I say that more than just sugar, or naked carbs really dysregulating to the system and help kind of perpetuate lack of satiety. And ultimately, if someone wants to lose weight or find stability, you have to help bring about physiological satiety. And having uh, any kind of naked carbs or liquid can just really make it challenging. So that's like, you know, a a great starting place for people if someone wants to go all in and do more of a paleo type diet or they even reduce some you know some other things that that's great but those two things get people like 80 percent of the way and help to start a positive momentum or build that positive snowball as i like to call it thomas does that help yeah uh she's been Diagnosed as diabetic, and of course she jumped on metaphorin, and uh, that's when all these problems started showing up. And she's seen the light. She's ready to. She knows it wasn't good, but she's scared. And she jumped into it. It did take care of the, the rash on the back of her legs, though. They were all red and stuff. It did stop that. So, but I know it's a band aid. Uh, is did you say something about? Berberine or something like that, she can be taken for her diabetes. Uh, we use berberine quite a bit. There's um, some pretty strong yeah. evidence that 
berberine is as effective as metformin at controlling blood sugar without all the nasty side effects. And as far as I know, the berberine supply hasn't been contaminated with cancer-causing agents the way metformin has. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've had uh, quite a bit of luck with, with uh, berberine. Okay, so I can get her, talk her into changing her diet for 30 days, and then berberine, and then uh, do a, a discovery call with Lauren for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What else? I, I, that's really, I mean, if we could get her to do all of those things, we win. I mean, if, if what you just mm-hmm. outlined can actually happen, that's a big, big win. We'll take it from there. Okay, she's willing to do it. I know she is. She's scared to death now after all this has happened, so she's ready. All right, well, hey, thank you so much for taking my call and giving me your time. I love you guys. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Let's go to California. Dave, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What can we help you with today? Um, You know, I was... uh Taking my blood pressure um, the last couple days, and I had the cup to test it, and I was at one one sixty over like ninety eight. Okay. So I did the Win Hof. I did the Win Hof, and it dropped immediately. It dropped down to one twelve over uh, eighty. Yeah. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, and then I waited like about. Go ahead. I waited seven seconds. Seven seconds. I did it again without doing the Winhoff, and it's back up to one sixty-eight over ninety-eight. So, yep. So breathing is a pretty powerful intervention when it comes to blood pressure and stress and other things. But it it it's you know it, it's like saying you could eat you know, liver one time and it's going to make you healthier. It doesn't work that way. We have to, these things have to become habits. The the breathing exercises have to be done on a pretty regular basis. It doesn't have to be every day. Uh, every day would be better. You know, just to show that there there's real science behind this, there's actually a device on the market now approved by the FDA, and they said it's so safe and effective that it doesn't even need a prescription, even though they've approved it as a medical device. It's called Respirate, and all it is is Mm -hmm. a device that teaches you how to breathe. That's all it's doing. It just guides you. You put the little headphones in and it monitors your breath and then it tells you how to breathe. It guides you to a certain breathing technique, absolutely proven to lower blood pressure. It's doing the similar things. It's not identical to the Wim Hof breathing. There's lots of different breathing methods. I've been experimenting one, you know, called a one minute breath. Um, I think Dave Asprey came up with this one, or I I think that's where I saw it, uh, where you actually start to inhale really slowly and you inhale for a full count of 20. It's actually pretty hard to do. Then you hold it for 20 and then you exhale really slowly for 20. There's square breathing and there's, there's lots of different ways, but there is absolute correlation between your breathing and your blood pressure. 
Dr. Abbott, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's really wonderful. You know, how I often kind you know, of break down and, abnormal blood pressure for folks is um, it's usually a combination of three factors. It can be dysfunction of the blood vessel. Like the medical term is endothelial dysfunction. If you had, if you had Jack on, I'm sure he's <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. Um, a second one will be the a nervous system input. And the third one will be, yes, um, changes in blood volume will have uh, some impacts. Some folks are a little more salt sensitive, although salt's not the problem, but salt sensitive so they can a little more blood volume. And so you have to really figure out with someone, what's the primary driver um, for that. And most people, you know, it's primarily nervous system. Yes, there can be issues with the blood vessels, some of that endothelial dysfunction. And some people, unfortunately, will get more advanced heart disease. But usually the accessible domain and what's driving it is the, is the nervous system. And that's what any of these modalities, that respirate device, they're trying to target uh, the nervous system to sort of help the, the blood pressure. Dave, does that help? Yeah, because, well, I'm just wondering, like, um, I'm bringing it down to 112 over 80, and then it shoots right back up seconds later. Um, you know, I'm taking the supplements, but I'm, uh, like you just said, Dr. Liquid carbs. Yeah, I drink a couple beers at night. Oh, not a, well, there's there's something else we have to address here. The liquid carbs in beer are horrible, no doubt. High carbs, they come from grains, got lots of problems with the carbs themselves. But that actually takes a backseat to the alcohol. And, and I've talked about this a lot. I'm not a non-drinker. I, I have I almost eliminated alcohol out of my diet, not because I, I really enjoy a glass of wine. I like wine a lot. Um, but when I started monitoring and, you know, checking HRV and blood sugar with a continuous glucose monitor, alcohol is a horrible, toxic poison to the human body. There's just no way around it. And this idea that the resveratrol and the red wine is going to save us, and that's all bullshit. If you want to be healthy, you just have to understand every time you ingest alcohol, you're going backwards. Dr. Abbott, any thoughts on that? I know that's kind of strongly worded, but uh, there's so much um, evidence there. I I, I 100% 100 second that. That's basically what I tell people it's. I won't stop you from drinking, but it's um, it's a cellular toxin, and it's it's a toxin. So um, any of the potential purported benefits are go out window <laughs> with with that. So yeah, um, right. Just it, it just no. And the reason it, again, I, I'm not going to tell anybody not to drink. Although there seems to be a really really big trend towards this, I'm seeing a lot more people start to come to this realization. Even people who haven't gone down the natural health path, just realizing that everything about alcohol, really, other than the kind of instant, you know, gratification, relaxation, you know, that kind of thing. Once that's over. Everything else about it is a negative. And it, it's big. Nothing in all the testing I've done on blood sugar with the continuous glucose monitor, nothing will screw up your blood sugar faster than alcohol. 
And you then sleep? one more. <laughs> yeah, right, you sleep too. Yeah. One more question. Sure. You know, you know, I want to know how the how the cardio miracle the works. Is it like when you take the powder in the morning? Is it like pop rocks? It dissolves and it works for a couple seconds and disappears. Or do you got to take it twice? A day? Well, you don't have to take it twice a day. Nothing disappears. The reason it's in a powder um, and the reason we're we're drinking this instead of taking capsules is one of the things people don't realize. You know, you look at things like multivitamins. I've been really hard on multivitamins for years. They're garbage. There's not enough of anything in there to do much of anything. People feel like, oh, look, I'm getting this nutrient, that nutrient. You're not getting enough of anything to really do much. And the quality and the, the form usually is wrong because it's just all about making it as cheap as possible. Some nutrients, in order to get enough of them in, you'd be swallowing 15 or 20 capsules a day, and nobody wants to do that. That's what, Cardio right. Miracle is, right. is a powder because of that. Because there's a lot going on in there. Um, it, there's a lot of just general nutrients in here that, that are good, but it is focused on cardiovascular health and increasing um, nitric oxide in the body and relaxing the blood vessels and uh, the taurine and, and all the other nutrients that are in there have just been designed targeting cardiometabolic health. And doctor, one question for you. Uh, you mentioned that it could be damage to a blood vessel or damage to a nervous system. Um, what can hey. you do about that? Hello? Yeah. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Yes. So the two primary factors that will drive someone, and you can sort of think of like high blood pressure is more of like a symptom rather than, yes, as a primary, like higher pressure is going to itself cause damage, but it's more of a symptom of underlying issues. And that's where the nervous system and doing things like regular physical activity and breathing practices are really, really critical and helpful for the nervous system. Um, they're also really positive stimuli to try to help the blood vessels themselves. And that's what that, um, the combination support has a lot of different things in it, but one of the things is the compound called nitric oxide. And that's one of the critical molecules for helping blood vessels, blood vessels to be appropriately relaxing and, and contracting. But a lot of the things that are going to negatively affect the blood vessels are sort of downstream of dietary, you know, and intake and things of that nature. So, I mean, from just what you've shared so far, you know, removing the alcohol would be such a huge win. And if you did regular breathing activities and, you know, had some, some movement practices, I, I bet you right. within a month to a month and a half, you would see sustained lower blood pressure. Um, one thing that I do tell people to be aware of is sometimes sustained higher blood pressure can also be a symptom of sleep apnea or on a spectrum may not be overt apnea, maybe what I call like sleep distorted breathing. So that's something that I am a lot more aware of and, and there's more treatment options there than simply 
I'm going to wear this crazy CPAP device. But sometimes when I'm seeing higher blood pressures, it may be a sign of sleep apnea. So those would be like my kind of action areas for for you. Right. Uh, you're right, doctor. But, um, yeah, I just, I was wondering because it's never been so high since uh, last, I've always been since, uh, I started since I was 18, uh, my younger days, I have always been 140, never been 120, never in my life, always been 140. Um, I've always passed my DOTs, but now I'm up to 150, hey. 160 in the last two years, yes. Hey, hey Dave, um, have you tried any kombuchas? Yeah. No, I've heard Here, you guys talking about them. But, here's what uh, I want you to do. There, there are some kombuchas on the market. One brand that comes to mind, if you can find it, it's called Lionheart. And they do a really dry kombucha, very low sugar. And one of the things I've found that's really interesting, there are some, they have, uh, they have one that has some hops in it. There are a couple companies that use hops in their kombucha. They taste pretty darn close to beer. They, they've got the effervescence. They've, they've got a little bit of that hoppiness in them and in the fermentation. They actually start to taste like beer. And, you know, I, I really don't want you drinking two kombuchas every night. Um, although if it's low enough <laughs> sugar, it might not be horrible. Um, but that might be kind of a substitute for those two beers. I, it's not the same, but it, it, it might be just enough to help you kind of get over the hump on it. Right. Dr. Abbott, any thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I generally like that idea. A lot of the traditional kombuchas definitely have a little more sugar in them. But, um, no, I love the problem solving on, like, you know, rather than just trying to willpower through and, and go cold turkey, something like that could, um, um, if it's a good you know, lower sugar option, um, um, I, that can definitely help folks. Yeah. Um, we've got one more call I want to come back to. I, I do want to, uh, I know we got to cut you loose here. Um, I want to get your opinion on the, uh, the protocol that I developed around stress and, and keeping some things in mind. It was designed specifically for people who are spending a lot of time on the road in a truck away from home. You know, there, so I, mm -hmm. I went through all the kind of interventions I could find on things that should build stress resilience uh, and then I started testing them and then the ideas, could we do this in a truck? How convenient is it going to be? And I came up with four, four things that can be done in under an hour, even if you do all four of them back to back and they can easily be done in a truck. There's, there's no reason you can't accomplish this in the truck. And, and here's what it is. So it starts off with infrared sauna. And we actually um, have a, a product in our store from a company called My High. It's like a sleeping bag. And it's an infrared sauna, far infrared mm -hmm. sauna. So easy to carry in the truck. They can just lay it in their sleeper. They can get right in it. They've got their infrared sauna with them. So the first part of the protocol is we get in the infrared sauna and we do 20 to 30 minutes. And the whole time we're in there, we do the Wim Hof breathing. And what I found was combining the two actually makes both of them more powerful. The, it, it, it's harder 
to mm-hmm. breathe as your body temperature starts to climb like that and your heart's pumping hard. And mm-hmm. it, it's pretty incredible um, to combine the two. And now we get both of them done in about 20 minutes. Um, we go right from there to the 10-minute resistant workout with the X3 bar. Again, they can do that really easy in the truck. Mm-hmm. When we're done with that 10-minute workout, we get in the shower and we finish with the cold exposure. Um, what I've found uh, on the watch, you know, watching my HRV, my stress level stays almost between 90 and 100. Hundreds maxed out. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. almost at 90 to 100 that whole time. When I get out of the cold shower, mm-hmm. about two hours later, my stress is down under 10. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty powerful stack you got going there. Um, yeah, I, um, we, I'm a big fan of the, also use the term contrast therapy, which is basically what you're describing, sort of going from the hot sauna environment to that cold exposure and then layering in breath work and resistance work. I mean, that's a, it's a pretty jamming um, load of, of, of stresses on. Um, and yeah, I mean, when I've done some of the contrast work and thrown a little bit of breath work, I mean, it's pretty amazing. The like response you're going to get uh, you know, the, the vagus nerve folks are familiar with one of the, mechanisms while we're communication pathways for, for all of this, but that, that's a um, pretty incredible stack. I'm, I'm not brave enough to kind of do even a poor man's cold shower on my own, um, <laughs> but when we, when we do very dedicated, uh, I, I go to a sauna pretty you know, regularly yeah. and um, really love combining things there and, and actually stack it after you should go there after persistence workout. And so, and really find that I usually sleep better that night. So everything you put on there, um, I I really like if people also like felt that they can't do all four of those, like you doing one of those, um, is, um, Yeah. You know, if, if the cold shower thing, we talk about this all the time, this is the one that gets everybody. This is so uncomfortable (laughs) for human beings. They just hate this one. Here's the one thing I can tell you. Um, if you get Wim Hof's app, he has a, I don't remember if it's a 20 day or a 30 day a cold challenge he does, and the app walks you through it. I think on the first day, you only do 10 seconds, if I remember right. It, it actually works. Mm-hmm. It, it, it will ease you into it. And as hard as this is for people to believe, if you do it, you get to a point, this will become your favorite part of the whole protocol. It, it happens to everybody, and nobody believes that. Um, I, I'll tell you, though, even though I've experienced it many, many times, I keep I do the protocol, then I go off and I try other biohacking things and I'm experimenting. So I get away from the protocol for a couple of weeks and then I go back to it. And I've done this over and over and over for two years. Every time I quit, I dread that cold shower again going back. <laughs> but, I, but once I kind of get into it, I, I go, oh, this is my favorite part. But it's so hard. You know, you just think about it and it just seems so uncomfortable. You, you will get to the point you look forward to it. 
So it, it, if you wanted to try it, the Wim Hof app and their whatever the 20 or 30 day cold challenge, and you know, you can even take your, I take my phone right into the shower. They're all waterproof now. And you just, just use the app to do it. It's got a timer on it and um, it just eases you into a little more each day. And his claim is that the health benefits of the cold exposure really end at about four minutes. You, you know, doing 10 minutes really doesn't doesn't even come close to doubling the benefit. You may not be getting any more health mm-hmm. benefits. The reason he says he does the long cold exposures is is really strictly for like self-discipline. He said it's just a way to yeah, to continue mm-hmm. getting comfortable being uncomfortable. It, so he says if, if all you're looking mm-hmm. for is the health benefits, three or four minutes is all you'll ever need to do. And and one of the other methods mm-hmm. I used that helped this, um, you know, I, I did his incremental 10 seconds, 15 seconds in the beginning. Another trick I found was when I turn the shower to cold, I do a round of his breathing. And I don't, I don't know if the breathing mm-hmm. is actually mm-hmm. changing your skin temperature. I think he says you can actually do that with the breathing. More so, I think it's just a distraction. You know, I have to count. So before I know it, you know, if I do one round of Wim Hof breathing, before I know it, the four minutes is over. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. I'm I'm downloading the app. Oh, there you go. Good. Give it a shot. And uh, let yeah. me know how it goes. Hey, we're going to grab one more call if, if we can before I, I've got to let you go. Um, Paul in Kansas, what's on your mind today? Hi. Yeah, I was calling the church. I got a CAC scan. Okay. And uh, my, doctor, my doctor wants to see me. He says it's abnormal. Of course it and is. And the score is only 38. Yeah, of course it's abnormal. They always are. Um, I'm not a big fan of all these medical screenings. I'm not saying we might not be able to learn something, but if if you understand and you look at how all these things are designed, um, why do they do a lot of these screenings free? Do you think they really, really care so much about us? They're willing to make that huge investment in equipment, time, advertising, all this stuff, and just give away these screenings for free? Do you think they're doing it because they're altruistic? No, no, no. No, they're, they're driving, doing it because it, it sucks you into the system, and they make a ton of money off of all the follow-up stuff. Everybody's abnormal. So now we have to follow up with this test and that test. And I, I, I'm just not a big fan of that whole process. I'm not saying they haven't found right. a problem. Uh, if you, how old are you? I am uh, 63. And my guess is you've eaten the standard American diet most of your life. Uh, last three years I've been doing keto or okay, carnivore. Good. good. Okay. Um, Dr. Abbott, would you say most 63-year-olds that have eaten the standard American diet will fail almost every medical screening we give them? Yeah, curious. You, um, you, you said a specific number. What was the, the number that 38. told you? 38. You said 38. 30, 38? Yeah, so, um, yeah, the coronary calcium scans are sort of interesting. They're a little, some of them can be different methodologies. I, um, I, I will do them in my practice at some times to kind of help get buy-in or thoughts for, for changing treatment. At your age and that amount, you're 
probably actually in sort of a better than average. Um, most men by that age um, usually have a, a non-zero calcium score. So um, the key, if you're wanting to, you know, uh, avoid having a heart attack or a stroke is sort of maintaining some of these key lifestyle habits now um, because that score is honestly better. It's also like it doesn't really represent damage that hasn't turned into calcification yet or actually doesn't tell you, you know, are there certain areas that are actually more vulnerable. Um, But that's actually a lower score than I would typically see for someone, you know, your age. And Mm -hmm. counter to what traditional medicine would say, you don't need any drug therapy. You don't need to go in now and do a bunch of other tests. You can use that information and say, okay, I have a little bit of vascular calcification. It's probably a result of living the majority of my life, kind of having food that's been suboptimal. But there are supplemental interventions that have been studied to help with even stabilizing or reversing calcification. So the ones that I'm using in practice are um, higher dose omega-3s. Big Pharma's got onto this and they even have prescription EPA now. Um, The second is a form of garlic called kyolic garlic. It's actually been studied a couple of different studies. Um, There's one company called Wakunaga that has some pretty good products and I use that fairly regularly. The um, third is really critical importance of vitamin K2. There's a couple of different forms of that. There's a little bit of the vitamin K2 wars about is MK4 versus MK7 forms. It's one better than the other. I think they're both important. Um, some may be more technically critical for cardiovascular health and more for bone. But if you were to be consuming fatty fish and or supplementing with omega-3s, if you included some kyolic garlic, um, and also had a, a supplement with vitamin K2, that's going to be covering a lot of the bases for things that have been shown in the literature and continuing with your, your lifestyle. But I would certainly avoid the trap of going and getting any other major studies or scans. That's a relatively low score is available already with your lifestyle. And a few targeted supplements may actually also um, have been shown to help some folks. So that would be, that's how I'm using that information rather than being okay. like, no, I need a stress echocardiogram or now I need to go have a yeah, right. med, you know, uh, MRI. So, <laughs> um, and, or being told that now you definitely have to be on a stat medication. All that's a bunch of nonsense. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that was helpful. I went a bit quickly, but also that was helpful. Does that help, Paul? All right. Yeah, thank you guys very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right, uh, Dr. Abbott, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're busy. We've got to let you get on with your day, but uh, great stuff. How does how does somebody find you and, and all your resources? You have all kinds of things that can help people. Yeah, no, I think what you said earlier, um, our, my, the clinic name is Resilient Roots in Charlottesville, Virginia. I have she, uh, work with an entire team, so I work alongside my wife who does nutritional work with our patients and have a number of other folks in a clinic capacity, but I have also other education and other resources. I work quite a bit um, with a gentleman 
clinic. Um, his name's Michael Ruscio. He's very um, gut health focused and he has some really awesome, an awesome podcasts and resources and just very aligned in kind of having a, being questioning, appropriately questioning, not just of traditional medicine, but of, of, of functional medicine. And so um, I've stepped away from that to focus on family and my own work, but um, really great you know, gentlemen and some great resources that he's putting out that you know, folks really love listening to, to podcasts. Um, and I, I don't have any health books. I'll probably never write a health book. I don't have the interest or <laughs> patience for something like that, but yeah. um, I, uh, <laughs> um, I did, I, I really enjoyed writing as a kind of therapeutic endeavor and recently published a, a memoir of kind of my life and how I came to do the type of work that I'm doing now. And it's, um, you can technically buy it Amazon anywhere. It's called the, the breaking of our healers. Excellent. Uh, becoming the doctor. I, I never planned to be, and <laughs> I haven't really made enough of an effort for people to be aware of it. Even my patients are like, you have a book. And I'm like, yeah, I been busy yeah, doing other things. Yeah. I um, think you've so. been a little too busy to market it. I didn't know about it. And I've, I've been all over your website. And uh, I missed it somehow. It's not on there yet. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be. Right. So, Got it. um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely not a diet book, but it's definitely if people want to learn more about the medical system and kind of how it is the way it is. And some of my own experiences, it's a, it's a very human book and Excellent. it's gotten some pretty good feedback. So, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, great information and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, no, thank you for what you're doing, really helping people. It always just brings life into my own world, thinking about all the people doing work like you. And through that, we can really cover the globe. So thank there you for you what go. you guys are doing. There I you appreciate go. it coming on. Fantastic. Take care. All right. Have a good one. All right. We, uh, I, I'm going to hang out here for uh, uh, just a couple minutes. If you want to uh, call now, it is a health free-for-all. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll hang out here for just a couple minutes. Um, while I'm waiting, the number, if you want to join us, 855-950-3835. We'll get to those calls uh, as soon as they come in, if you want to join us. Don't forget Dr. Wolfson's uh, Summit, Your Path to a 100-Year Heart. That is a... Uh, Fantastic summit. This is seven days online, six speakers every day for seven days. Um, over 30 practitioners involved. Dr. Wolfson is one of them. There are several others that um, we've had on our show. Really, really good information. And you can access the, the seven days at no cost. This doesn't cost you anything. Now, there are going to be opportunities for you to buy um, material, but if you just want to sit through it and watch it, it during that seven-day period, that won't cost you anything. Really easy to sign up. We can't make this any easier. Go to letstruck.com. You'll see the button right there. Just click on it. Reserve your spot. Uh, it's coming up. Oh, I forget what day it starts, but it's coming up fairly soon, I think. Uh, so you want to get in and uh, 
lots of great information isn't going to cost you anything. I'm, I'm actually asking for a favor this time. When we form partnerships, which, which we like to do a lot of because um, the ability to have a cardiologist come on our show and, and answer questions and help us is awesome. To have a general practitioner like we had today, um, we want to build more of those partnerships. We want to bring as much value to those partnerships as we can. That's how you build good relationships. You bring value. Uh, our value to, uh, to a Dr. Wolfson, for example, is we bring him an audience that he would never be able to reach on his own. The, the odds of Dr. Wolfson being able to reach and, and impact truck drivers on his own would be pretty slim. He, he would have a really, really hard time with it. That's the value we bring. We bring the, the numbers and we bring a group that m most people will never be able to access. And, and that's our value. So help me out here. We, we show that value by showing up in numbers. So there's this benefits all of us. It's a win-win. Normally, I don't ask directly for things like this. I don't do it very often. One of the reasons I'm doing it now, it's not going to cost you anything. I'm not asking you to spend any money. Uh, sign up for the summit. Sit through the material. If you decide to buy something because it's really good, fantastic. If you don't, I promise you're going to get a lot out of this. Um, the path, your path to the 100-year heart you know, the heart is the key here. Keep the heart healthy and everything else is going to follow. All right. We're going to get to the calls because they just started to pour in. Let's go to Texas. Doug, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Good. Um, well, I have a couple questions on, uh, it was a great show, by the way. There's a lot of information and uh, trying to build on uh, working on my own stress. So a lot gotcha. of information there to get working on. Uh, but I do have a question. So I do a lot of the fermenting honey with the peppers and stuff like that. Okay. Well, my mom can't take, can't take any of the, the, the spice. She just doesn't like it. She can't do it. Um, right. So I, I was, I fermented some whey. I put some whey in with the honey and, I got the same result. It, it got, it got really thin, okay. uh, no spice. Uh, is that good or is that bad? Cause I got thinking, well, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm really creating a higher sugar count or what, what exactly am I doing there? So no, you're fermenting the honey and the fermentation process is always healthy. It creates more good bacteria and probiotics. It converts the sugar to those bacteria, you know, in lactic acid. Um, so anytime we ferment something, we are reducing the sugar content, which is a good thing. We're creating new probiotics, which is a good thing. And we're making the nutrients more bioavailable. So fermentation of anything is powerful. I, you know, the, the hot honey thing came about because I had all of these hot peppers. I really like heat. So the oh. only reason this is hot oh, honey is because I used hot peppers to make it. 
but we can ferment all <laughs> kinds of things into that honey. You could ferment garlic, horseradish, turmeric. Um, you could just ferment the honey itself with nothing else. And all we need to do to get honey to ferment, what? we just have to add water and we get it to a certain hydration level and then it will start to ferment. When we put vegetables of some kind, hot peppers or garlic, into the honey, the honey can pull the water out of the vegetable itself. And it that once you get to that water content, that's what starts the fermentation process. And fermented honey just on its own would okay. be healthy. Right. So would I be would I be better off to ferment with just some water instead of the whey? Um, Do the same or, process, the same amount? Or what if you tried sweet peppers? What if you find oh, yeah. a, what if you find a flavor that she might like in honey, horseradish, or she doesn't really like spicy, but uh, garlic. She um, she she puts it on everything, so I think she was looking for more of a plain, um, just okay. a plain, then, you know, yep. still having a honey flavor without any added flavor. Got it. Then yes, all you do and is, that's why is, I is you with can, the way. Yep, you can go look at ratios. I believe you can even get test strips, or you can just experiment. But yeah, all you would do is add water to honey. And when you get that water content right, then okay. the honey will start to ferment. Honey on its own will not okay. ferment because there's not enough moisture in it. Okay. Okay. Honey already, okay. So, you know, but you, if it's, uh... you added whey kind of as a starter and it's not necessary. Didn't mm -hmm. hurt anything, but it's not necessary. Honey has everything it needs to be able to ferment <laughs> the bacteria is already present in the honey as long as it's raw you have to use raw honey because okay. if it's pasteurized honey yep. they killed all the bacteria raw honey still has bacteria right. and and just like when we amplify bacteria in yogurt that that's what we're doing there's already bacteria in the honey we just need to amplify it and it won't ferment because there's not enough moisture all we need to do is add some water. Everything else is already present. It will start fermenting on its own. Okay. So, and if it's, uh, and if it gets liquidy, gets, uh, if it really thins out, then that, that is fermented. Yes. Yeah. You, you should also notice it's a little harder okay. to tell in honey. Have you ever fermented vegetables? Yes. Okay. So you know it get that that smell. It's pretty distinct that fermentation process, right? Right. You should okay. get some of that in the honey. Okay. You should be able to tell that it's been fermented. It should start to pick up some of those little sour fermented notes. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, that's great information. And my other question is, I uh, you know eat eat really clean and uh, went, uh, had a wedding and did some old fashions, did a couple beers, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Next day I'm at the chiropractor <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, he's got my hands out and I'm shaking. I'm wow, I don't know, why am I shaking? Low and blood he sugar. touches a couple spots on my, on my abdomen and I'm at low blood sugar. And I went, holy cow, I, it's been so long nice. since I've had those shakes i've forgotten what it was yep. and i'm thinking well how the hell did that happen yeah listening today i'm going oh man i threw 
So much for old fashions and beer. Damn it. <laughs> I have never seen anything wreak havoc with blood sugar like alcohol does. Yeah. Well, I start playing with it with my uh, Keto Mojo, and uh, I can see what uh, what it's doing. It's just all over the place. There's you know, no I, pattern uh, other than goofy. Well, ketones are a whole different matter. Um, we are getting ready to, you know, uh, one of the things we've been doing a lot of in the background, I've been spending a lot of time on it, creating these mini series because we're, we're recording these all in the background. Then we'll put them together and, and we'll be releasing them as mini series. But I have several that I'm working on at the same time, I'm working on one with Sally Norton. Um, I, we're working on one with Keto Mojo. Uh, to explain ketones and, and measuring ketones and blood sugar and the correlation. So we're going to be doing a, a mini-series about that one. And kind of tying it in, we're, we're also doing a mini-series with NutriSense, which is the continuous glucose monitor. So we'll, we'll have a, a combined mini-series that will be all about blood glucose and, and blood ketones. Ketones are just all over the board all the time. That That's just the norm. It's hard to find a yeah, pattern. Yeah. Blood sugar, though, we know there are clear patterns, and we know what those patterns should be. And, and the one pattern that, that shocked me more than anything was what alcohol does. Mm. All righty. And I have one more question on fats. Um, neighbor had asked me about uh, good fats and bad fats, and I says, well, they're you know, depends on when you butcher and your steers, if you're, uh, you know, how, how, how you're raising them. And, uh, I got thinking, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, if we're eating healthy fats as in healthy raised animals, game meat, um, um, you know, properly raised steers, what, uh, it, is there a, is there a fat that we try to avoid in, in, Animals? Uh, carnivores no. eating. No. no. Yeah, none. animals. None. Okay. None. All of the animal okay. fats. I was hoping and, I was right. <laughs> as, as long as they were raised properly, we always have to say that. As long as they were raised no. properly on their natural diet, all animal fats are nutritious and healthy. Think about this. What okay. is the only fats that hunter-gatherers could have used? Animal fat. That's it. They, they, they had no way to yeah. access all these crazy fats and oils we have today. Hunter-gatherers did not have access right. to avocado pits and the equipment and chemicals and factories needed to get oil out of an avocado pit. Now, avocado oil would be one of the healthier liquid oils, but we can't claim that hunter-gatherers ever consumed avocado oil. It didn't exist. They couldn't produce it. Right. They couldn't produce coconut oil. It, it, it didn't exist. The only fats they ate <laughs> were animal fats, and they were outrageously healthy. They had no disease. Right. Well, I know there's a huge difference in the fat, as I render it down, between uh, grass-fed, grass-finished um, you know, our steers. And when I do it with elk, uh, I can't hardly scrape it off of the sink. 
um, <laughs> right. boy, and it's it's a uh, I rub it on my boots. You know, yeah. I get I get done with that. My hands are just as soft as can be, but I render jars of of elk fat, awesome. and uh, it is just it's entirely different. And I it, cook with it, and you know what? Um, I I would make the claim that that elk fat is healthier than any beef fat we're ever going to produce anymore. And and the reason why is uh, because that elk is still genetically pure. None of our cows are genetically right. pure. It, what the hell is a cow? Where did it come from? Why aren't there wild cows? <laughs> right. I, I often wonder yep, that. Exactly. Why the hell aren't there we, wild cows? Well, we have we have bred down, bred down, crossbred so so much to uh, knock the horns off. To uh, you know, raise raise body fat. Yeah. We really have just to make them more manageable, and we've we have changed that animal so much. Uh, you know, right. uh, a dog goes back to a wolf, but <laughs> what there's does a, big a cow go back to? What was the original cow? <laughs> Where did this thing come from? <laughs> I'll ask my dad. I will. I will I'm, call you back with that answer. Yeah, I'm sure there's an answer. I just never have really gone to look for it. But it's like, why don't we question I, that? Why? I don't thought of it. <laughs> right. But so we don't know if all those changes were good for us or not. And I would venture to say, no, they're probably not. Every time we try to mess with nature, we screw it up every time. So I don't think this is yeah. any different. So really. Yeah. I would make the claim that wild game is the healthiest food we could eat. Well, good, because I got heart, kidney, liver. I got all that off my awesome. deer and elk and the bones. That's I, uh, I cut the bones up. I got them all vacuum-packed, and I roast them, and all oh, the bone broth that comes from that. Oh, that is so awesome. Yeah, that that's the best eating you can you do. You eat it with a really. fork. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. All right, Kevin. Well, thank you very much. You've answered some questions and I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Great stuff. Let's go to Michigan. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to um, say I really like that guest today. Looking forward to checking out some of his information. And, um, I've also been focusing on so far this kind of the end of last year and, and the beginning of this year, focusing on um, fasting and especially um, intermittent fasting. It, it gets kind of difficult when your schedule, when your schedule um, varies so much over yeah. the road, but I found that focusing on, I mean, even if you're you're changing time zones all the time, we were just okay. We'll only eat food when it's light outside. <laughs> um, that that way, time zones don't mess right. with it. But still, you yeah. know, you get longer fasts in the winter and not and um, shorter ones in the summer. But I found recently an app that um, you can hit start when you finish your last meal and walk, you know, let it count for you how long you've been fasting. Um, and, and when you're, when you end the fast, it keeps track of how long you've been fasting, how many fasts you do. 
at about the time you should hit ketosis, the little meter goes from blue to red. And then there's a little, there's a little symbol about when you should hit autophagy. And it's really interesting. Sounds Um, like it. And it, it helps, helps keep you motivated. And you can also create or join circles, which are groups of people who are, um, keeping track of each other fasting or just looking for support. There's also a lot of education on there. Dr. Fung has some stuff. Uh, I haven't dug into everything yet, but there's a lot of videos and articles to read. So I am creating a circle for Destination Health. And as soon as I get it done, I will publish or share a link to it in, um, in Healthy Tribe, if anybody wants to join me. Excellent. Sounds awesome. I love that idea. So I just wanted to share that. What was the name of the app? I don't know if I got it. Oh, I didn't say. It's um, called Life, and the I and F for intermittent fasting are in a different font than the rest of the word. And the symbol is a blue circle with a heart in the middle. Got it. Okay, good. I'm going to go check that out. Yeah, like I said, I'll um, post it in, post the link in, um, in Healthy Tribe, and I'm not sure if we can somehow keep it on the top somewhere. Uh, um, we'll take a look at that where, you know, so, we're, we're still making changes to the website. We're in that process. It's a little messy right now. And, and we're really trying to clean things up and improve the navigation. And, and we're trying to figure out a way where, uh, and we will be able to do it. There's a, there's, there will be a place now where we can put things like this, where they stay there and they're easy to find. Okay, I have just posted it there, so anybody can go check out the link there if they'd like to. And I hope everybody enjoys the day. Spring is coming. It's about a month away. There you go. Boy, am I looking (laughs) forward to it this year, too. I am tired of winter right now. Uh, Let's move along. The calls are starting to pile up on us. Let's go to Georgia. Bill, welcome to the program. Uh Uh-oh. There you are. Hey, Kevin. There you are. Yeah, I'm mean, also by also by me myself. Uh, I just got a question about honey. Uh, uh, when you're doing it, do you remove the seeds from the peppers, or do you put the seeds in everything? In- so there's uh, there, there's more heat in in what they call the ribs of the pepper, kind of that white stuff, and then the seeds themselves. There's more heat in that than there is in the flesh itself. So you can really choose. It, it's up to you. If you've got a pepper that you like the flavor of, but it's too hot for you, you could try taking the seeds and the, the ribs and the membrane out and just use the colored flesh of the pepper if you have a pepper that you like and it's not quite hot enough then leave that all in and it will increase the heat a little bit so it, it's really up to you how you want to deal with the seeds and and that okay. stuff oh, okay i'll do some experimenting and see what i like thank you you're welcome thanks for the call that's all I have. yep that's all i need let's go to ohio jerry welcome to the program 
Hi, Kevin. I got a quick comment before I get to my question. Sometimes getting old and not having very good hearing can offer some amusing uh, <laughs> results. The uh, two or three... Three callers ago, I think it was, you had the guy talking about all these fats and all the fats he was rendering, and one comment he made is that he even rubbed the fats on his boots. That's not the word I heard, and that caught me for a little bit of a loop of what the hell's he rubbing them there for, but whatever. Hey, everybody oh, hey. can do what they want. If hey. he wants to rub it there, he can. Hey, hey, we, we there are no man boobs on the show. We, we don't have any soy. All right, well, no, I guess no, he couldn't. No soy boys listening. We don't have any man boobs, so you you misunderstood him clearly. Obviously, so it's good. For anyway, his my boots. question on this hundred year his, his boots. Yeah, I got it now. <laughs> yeah, I got that. I figured it out finally. But a quick question on the hundred year uh, heart uh, seminar: Is that a situation where if you don't listen, you lose it, or can they, can you hear it afterwards? I can't find any information. You know, here's the thing. I'm going to be completely transparent about this. They, they don't want anybody to be. Um, no, here, here's how they're able to offer this, all of this information and content with all of these you know, doctors and practitioners free is you can only listen to the live part free. If you want access to the material after, you're going to have the option to buy packages. I mean, they have to make money off of this. Okay. But I, but I love the model right. where they say, look, if you just don't want to spend the money, maybe you don't know if it's going to be good enough or whatever, we'll give you access to all the material one time. If you want to sit and listen to it live, it's all free. If you want access to it after that, that you're going to have some options to buy packages. That's how the model works. Okay, that's fine. I just, yeah. And that's nothing wrong with that. I just wasn't clear on that. Sometimes our schedules don't necessarily jive with right. uh, listening to a live show right. 100% of the time, so I wanted to know if I had access to it somehow you can. after the fact. Right. That won't be free. Okay. There will be access. That part won't that's be free. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. That's fine. I Probably rather buy it all and listen to it when I damn well please anyway. Exactly, so. right. I'm fine and, with that. And then have it Thanks, forever. Sorry. Yeah. Yep, thank you, Kevin. All right, you're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's move along here. We're going to go to Texas this time. BJ, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Um, I had a quick question, but a couple of comments first. I want to uh, put a shout out for everybody in the background that works for you back there that uh, that we appreciate them. Well, thank I hear you. Hear that enough? But thank they do you. A good job. Yes. Um, second thing. Well, the thing. My question was, uh, and Angie kind of answered it for me because I've been listening and waiting for it, and then as soon as I'm on hold. You mentioned it. Well, I wanted to get a continuous glucose monitor and uh, without a prescription uh, and also what you recommended. And then the caller not too long ago, you said uh, something about NutriSense, and that's what she said. So, yeah. Um, so, um, do you have anything on your website like that, or we don't? You know, we we work pretty closely with NutriSense. We've had them on the show many times. We just haven't gotten around to formalizing anything. I mean, we we probably lost a ton of money because we didn't formalize it before we started talking about it. We just don't have any <laughs> financial arrangement with them. We we just never got around to doing it. Uh, so we just send people directly to them, and uh, it's not that big of a deal. At some point, we may 
you know, formalize this and then we'll have a program. But right now we're just kind of sending people directly to them. Um, You can mention, you know, the fact that we sent you there. It's not a big deal. But again, it strengthens those partnerships for us. You know, when we bring that much value that it's good for all of us. So just mention it. Say, hey, heard it on the show. You can work directly with them. Uh, that's the only way I know of. It's the only company I know of. That, and technically, you are getting a prescription because that's the law. You're being prescribed by one of their doctors is what's happening. Um, it, it's illegal to give a medical device without a prescription. Um, so they are. They, they will do a little history and they'll prescribe it. And um, the nice thing is you can buy a month. You can buy three months. Um, most people, I, I would say... It, do not start with a big package. Don't buy a three-month package. Um, start off with a month. It's more expensive. You know, the more you do, the lower the price goes per month. But I find that most people just aren't going to need it for three months. I mean, I do a ton of biohacking. So I, I probably have 10 sensors, you know, waiting for me. I, I just okay. it, There is one other way that I've seen. There are some user groups out there. Um, some on Facebook and other social media and, and in some of the groups, if you look around for them, like I have all these extra sensors cause I just let my, uh, subscription keep going even though I wasn't using them and I kind of stockpiled them. Some people will right. just sell sensors directly. You, you could just buy a sensor oh, okay. from somebody and go get the app and it works. So you, oh, okay. you might want to look for a couple groups on Facebook or social media for NutriSense users and, you know, check in there. You may find some people selling some. So it's just the sensor in your phone, right? That's it. Yeah, they, they send you the sensor okay. in the yeah. box. Every sensor is good for two weeks. So you, you stick it on, gotcha. it'll work for two weeks, then it stops working. And if you want, you put another one on. But it's not... The sensors aren't like licensed and the, the app isn't licensed. If you can get your hands on a sensor, they work. So initially setting it up, do you have a number on that sensor that you pair with your you, you, you scan, uh, app on the phone? You, you scan it with your camera on the phone. It identifies the, the serial number and the, the, the sensor. And then it, it, it activates the sensor when you put it on. Gotcha. Perfect. All right. That's all I had, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Georgia this time. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Um, Several things. The uh, call about the alcohol, and you mentioned Lionheart Kombucha. Yeah. Azure Standard sells that, and that's actually my preferred brand. That <laughs> that's I where I get mine from, too, is Azure. Um, that's how I found it. Although, <laughs> once I found it, I, it's made right and here yeah, in Portland. It, yep, yep. It's an Oregon yeah. Oregon company. Yeah. And um, it's really it, good. Yeah, it does have that almost alcohol taste. And they do warn, well, I think all kombucha has this warning, may contain alcohol. It, right. And it says less right. than point. Five percent or point zero five percent, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah and and that's, just that's so a good one, I like it. Just so drivers know, we got a breathalyzer and we tested all kinds of kombucha. You can't possibly drink enough kombucha to register on a breathalyzer. 
So, um, cattle. Yeah. It is the, uh, um, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce this, either Olrock or Onrock is the extinct version of cattle. Okay, kind so. Of a cross between ox. So it is extinct. Yep. I wonder why. Cattle. That may not be a good sign. Uh, and I what, believe... what was so wrong with the original animal that it went extinct? Uh, and I, I looked something on it up. I want to say it went extinct like 10,000 B.C. Huh. So their cattle have been around. I mean, just different versions of it. And obviously nowadays we've bred uh, all kinds of different breeds. <laughs> well, here's, or, here's, here's, or another, here's another way to look at it. Maybe this was the one animal that was too dumb and too slow to avoid us. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. So maybe this isn't our best choice. I, you know, I'm, and I'm, that's uh, the other thing, the guy calling about elk, that, you know, we all hear about the buffalo, because the buffalo... We slaughtered them, most of them, <laughs> right. almost all of them. Yeah. And that was what the Indians, but they believe the elk herds were just as big as the, the buffalo herds. Oh, they were I just can spread believe that. I, I the whole western that. United States was if, covered in elk. If you've ever seen just an elk herd today in Colorado, some of them can be big, yeah. really big. There was a, um, when I lived in Colorado and we lived up near Evergreen, Colorado, and, and when you're going through, you go through Denver on on 70, and if you're heading west, Evergreen is right on the other side of Denver as you're starting to climb. Um, there was a, a school there, and you could see the school from like one of the main streets, but it, it was way down low in elevation. And they had the, you know, the big... Um, like athletic fields and the big playground. And there were times you drive past there. It looked like there had to be a thousand elk. They covered that whole area. I, it just the, the size of some yeah. of those herds today are, are pretty big. I, I I'm sure back then they were enormous. Yep. And yeah, even like central Washington up through there. I know them elk herds get pretty yeah. big. Yeah, they do. When you get out into the mountains, so the other thing about elk, um, you know, we we you know talk about deer a lot. You can shoot deer all over the country, just about every state, I think. Um, not so much with elk, but with the other thing, a lot of people don't realize how much bigger elk are than deer. It's not even close. Oh yeah. Yep. You shoot one yeah, elk, and, and, and there's yeah, a lot thing. of meat there. Deer size varies you know, depending upon where in the country you are, because what they call key deer down in Florida <laughs> are a dog. Yeah, they're like a German shepherd what with we have in Minnesota. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, even um, states like, uh, you know, Pennsylvania and Ohio, lots and lots of deer, but they tend to be pretty small. Yeah. Oh, and... Um, you mentioned before we talked about um, growing zones and all that with where you live yeah, and your daylight and compared to where I live in Minnesota, which I'm about an hour north of Minneapolis. I looked it up longitude-wise, 
right? Or latitude, excuse me. I'm about 10 miles north of you. I know. I know that we are very, very far north. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have the same growing zone as like Texas. And it's only because of temperatures. The growing zones are determined by frost dates. So we're just really well, mild yeah, it, because it, of the ocean being here and, and you know, the gorge we're in. It creates dream, its yep. own little microclimate right here. So it, it really is a, a really unusual. And it, you, you just kind of have to learn it. The problem, it comes in, the frost state isn't everything we need to look at, but that's all the, the zones are based on are the frost states. It doesn't take into account yep. the, the daylight. South Texas gets way more daylight in the wintertime than we do. The farther you are away from the equator, the shorter your days are going to be in the winter and the longer they're going to be in the summer. But I have to watch those those spring and fall windows. My temperatures might be okay, but I don't have enough sunlight. And that's the funny thing most people don't realize. You will have more sunlight in the dead of summer than Texas. Correct. Right. You actually have longer days. Right. Because that's, you know, me running... Living in Minnesota and running Florida, it's quite amazing how <laughs> it, yeah. I can be in Florida and the sun's already coming up in Minnesota. It's still dark in Florida, right. even though time zone, I'm an hour ahead. It, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, when, when I really, when this really sunk in was when I was in Costa Rica, and you're virtually almost on the equator, and you realize they really don't have seasons at all. Not even the, their, their, the length of their day never changes. From winter to summer, it's the same. I mean, they're basically, the sun yep. comes up at 6 in the morning, it goes down at 6 o'clock at night, and it does that every day the whole year. Yep. The, the sun just moves in the sky a little bit <laughs> right. from the north to the south. Right, <laughs> but, yeah. But it barely compared to what we see. But then um, when you get to Fairbanks, Alaska... Um, in August at four o'clock in the morning, you can still see the sun on the horizon. It almost nope. never goes away. It just kind of stays on the horizon and circles around. So, yeah, the reason for my call, um, not that you need to add this to your book list at all, but more for just the listeners. Listen to a book uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. Fitness Confidential, written by uh, Vinny Hi, Torderick. Tor- I don't know how to pronounce his life. Yep. Yep, Vinny Torderick. It's, yeah. it's, it's his life story. Right. And, um, you know, he believes in the keto diet and all that. He's way more into the fitness side personally than what he says anybody needs to be. He's, you know, he's done uh, 500-mile bike rides and, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but I, I thought the whole, his story, everything's great. It, it follows 90 some percent of everything you talk about. So it's. Yeah, that I, good, I haven't read that for one, but I, I think that here. would be a good one for people. Yep. And yeah, just, uh, uh, entice some people. He's 
in the nineties, he was, he lives in LA and he's did fitness coaching for a lot of celebrities. Doesn't mention names, but one of the big things with celebrities is plastic surgery. And of course, boob jobs. Yeah. And, uh, how, how many massages he had to give because that's what doctors recommended after <laughs> surgery. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So there's right. comedy involved. It, it's like I say, just a good, well, good book. Well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. What else you got going on? Uh, that'll probably do for today. I got uh, some financial stuff I can call about with tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. Um, I uh, w- We are out of calls. Um, I have a couple topics, but I think uh, I'll just wait another minute or two. If you want to jump in, last chance here, or I'm going to wrap this up, 855-950-3835. Um, couple things we've got coming up we're we're trying to plow through all of our projects uh i'm working hard on the mini series several of them um finishing up the stress protocol i'm kind of stalled out on my hot honey project right now i'm a little little frustrated with it um some supply chain issues going forward. I've got to work out. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed with that. Nothing's really happening on the hot honey project right now. Um, one of the projects we're working on, um, health care, well, not health care, like personal care products, soap, shampoos, toothpaste, uh, dental issues. So moving on to kind of the next step in, you know, really being healthy, uh, eliminating all those toxic personal care products, cosmetics, makeup, shampoos, mouthwashes. We don't need any of that crap. You know, I know this is a fairly easy one for the guys. Um, For the guys, here's what I'm going to recommend. You get a good natural goat's milk-based soap without all the parabens and sodium laurel sulfate and all that other garbage. It's going to be, you know, a a good quality fat, like maybe goat's milk or coconut uh, oil or uh, lard actually makes really good soap. Get a good healthy fat-based soap without all the chemicals. And for men, That's probably the only personal care, and you can get a good coconut oil-based deodorant that's just essential oils. For men, honestly, what more do you need? Um, We're working with a um, a holistic dentist, and toothpaste is completely unnecessary. Uh, If you're going to use something when you brush your teeth, uh, there are a couple products we may be bringing into the store that are tooth powders. One helps with your your mouth bacteria, which is really important, and the other one remineralizes your teeth. Just like our healthcare system, almost everything the the dental system has told us to do is wrong. Almost always, all of it does more damage than good. So we're working on that, and and um, We'll, we'll have some solutions. We'll have some partnerships here pretty soon. We are also in, uh, I think it's less than a month away. We are going to be attending, I think four of us from the company are going, 
Um, we're going to be attending the largest natural food uh, convention just about anywhere, I think. Um, it's in Anaheim, not one of my favorite places in the country, but um, we're really looking forward to that. Probably uh, we'll be able to meet some of our partners that are there, companies we already work with and have in our store. We'll, we'll get a chance to meet some of those which is always good for the relationships, but really looking at a lot of new products. We want to bring a lot of new stuff into the store. Um, you know, I, if you've ever shopped at Thrive Market, one of the places we actually recommend, I, I kind of want to become the Thrive Market of the trucking industry. You know, if, if you want really, really good, high-quality products that, that fit this lifestyle, we're going to be the place to come. We really are already. We have all kinds of food offerings and, and supplements and the workout equipment and the sauna blankets, and uh, we're, we're going to continue with that. So um, that's a little bit about what we've got going on. So um, we'll keep you updated on that. I've got a call here I'm going to grab, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up when we run out of calls. We're going to go to New York. Danny, welcome to the program. Hello. Okay. First off, success story. I've lost 80 pounds on your recommendations. Congratulations. So you can put, put another nick in your, uh, yeah. in your pistol there. Love that. Okay. My question, <laughs> you love that. I do too. And I'm still looking for another 30 pounds. Good. But anyhow, I'm calling you about stem cell therapy. I am, I've suffered from a stroke a couple of years ago with, I still have some motor issues on my left side. I suffer from osteoarthritis and I still have a trace of diabetes, though most of it's gone. Okay. My blood sugar is well under control, but if I'm, if I misbehave, it goes wacky. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your opinion on stem cells? So I've done about as much research as I can, um, a lot of reading, and I'm at the point where I would say I'm optimistic and that I'm optimistic enough that if I thought I had something that it would help, I would try it. I, I don't think there's any real danger to it, nothing that I can find, and there seems to be a lot of good results. So I think for these these injuries that, you know, we, we say a lot of our pain um, can be dealt with just diet alone, that that it's just inflamed and we just get the body healthy and get the inflammation down. A lot of that pain goes away. Some of us, though, have damaged parts of our body enough that they're not just going to go away, that, you know, diet alone isn't enough. And, and it looks like that stem cell may be um, the answer here. So, so I am somewhat optimistic about it, and I'd be willing to try it. Okay, except for one thing, it's extremely expensive. It is. Yep, I know. Nothing I can do about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I was looking for your opinion. So you're optimistic. So I'm seriously considering giving it a try. I have, by the way, my, my bad knee is osteoarthritis, so it's bone on bone. So. Right, right. And, 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 and they, diet, they claim it, believe it or not, diet can improve that condition. And you would want to focus on things like bone broth, um, really good fatty cuts of meat. Those are the kind of things that, you know, that are loaded with like the collagens and the gelatins and, and the chondroitin and the things that are good for our joints. And we can build back some of those components in that joint. Okay, I noticed that it is better. I do 
consume the bone broth. I do eat fatty cuts of meat. Good. Hey, I like pork chops and steak. Yeah. You know, but it's every once in a while it acts up and, you know, and if I do something stupid, it yeah. hurts. Yeah. Now, like I said, it, 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 money aside, I know it's expensive. It, if it's within somebody's means, I, I've done enough research. If I had an ongoing injury that just wouldn't heal, I would try it. Okay. What, okay. For uh, all three of those items? Which three? Okay, the stroke, which is basically brain damage, oh, no. the osteoarthritis, no, and the I, diabetes. No, I haven't done any research in the other two areas. The only research I've done on stem cell therapy is like joint and, and um, you know tissue damage repair. I don't know of any oh, benefits okay. that, it, that it has for diabetes. Um, if I mean, if the I guess maybe the brain. Here's here's the thing though every single case of diabetes I've dealt with, every one of them, 100%, we're able to fix with diet. Why, why would we need stem cells? Yes. It, 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 that will resolve okay. with diet alone. Um, the brain issues will resolve with diet alone. And we, there are things we know that we can improve even more. Uh, brain octane, which, which is really just a form of coconut oil. Um, really good for our brain because it helps our body produce ketones. Um, being in a, yes. a, a ketogenic state is really good for our brain. So I, I guess the reason I haven't done the research in those two areas is I don't think it's necessary in those two areas. I, I, I don't see a need for okay. it. Now, if somebody suffered right. some sort of traumatic brain injury that wouldn't heal, Maybe there is a use for stem cells there. But when we're just talking about the typical brain fog, you know, I forgot where my keys are kind of stuff. Um, diet and lifestyle, huge improvements there. Diabetes, we can completely reverse diabetes and get you insulin sensitive. Again, it just takes time. But I, I wouldn't be willing to spend the money or take the risk for those two areas. Okay. Very good. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. For I appreciate your opinion. You're, you are quite okay. welcome. Let's go to Arkansas. Mike, welcome to the program. Mike, are you there? Yes. It's your turn. What's on your mind today? Well, I was just going to, on that last caller you just had on who was Asking about, you know, all the osteoporosis and all that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, <clears throat> I've called you before in the past and I had the, uh, severe motorcycle accident. Yeah. yeah I here. remember. Oh, sorry. I can, I can, it, 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 it shows playing in the background. And well, anyway, the, on the head injury and on the stroke, I mean, the, the mo Motorcycle accident I had, it, you know, had severe, pat, yeah, man, it's Joseph Benton back here, Mayor. Um, Can't you turn it down or off? The thing is, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, it, it's, it's anyway. doing it on your phone, <clears throat> isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have this anyway, happen every once in a while. Like so the, just uh, let me just tell everybody right. else. Before you call into the show, if you've been listening on your phone, you might want to just close the, unless you called from the app. Did you call from the app? 
I called from the app. Okay, so we have to figure out why that the you shouldn't be hearing audio in the background. That's a bug. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. We'll we'll work yeah, on that. That's one. okay. But anyway, on on the brain issues and all that, like I've noticed since in the past of how I was paralyzed on the right side from the accident. Yeah. In the accident, I was, you know, had, and so I, this is back in 1981, it happened, but since I've been doing this diet on, you know, the program for the last eight years or so, yeah, I have noticed a change in the way of the con- most control and dexterity of my right side since eating this way, and it's been coming on and it's getting better year by year excellent and all that so excellent. i'm just gonna give him that update yeah so that could, you know that that's good to know sure that just the eating will right. help him yeah, and the other thing you know that that so, you've proven and and we like to point this out is eight years into this things are still improving for a lot of people yes they are i mean i i i've noticed that i've got a lot more fine motor skills in my right hand, which I didn't have at all before. So wow. I'm, I'm just grateful that I, you know, I listened to the show and did what it needed to do. That's incredible. I love that. So anyway, I'm still trying to get my diabetes back under control again since having COVID and pneumonia a little over a year and a half ago. Oh yeah. So yeah. We're getting it there though. Perfect. Well, you know how that's the good news. All right. Well, Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, two and a half months under medical care. That was oh, a yeah. big whammy on me for a while. That's pretty rough. So, okay, Kevin, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good talking to you. All right, let's uh, let's go to Illinois. Uh, David, welcome to the program. David, are you there? I heard something. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, there you are. Go ahead. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, I just I'm wondering um, these guys that are like hearing the delay while they're trying to talk. Yeah, if it's being, I'm wondering if it is because what I do, and I don't know if a lot of guys do the same thing. My phone, I have it connected to my radio with a USB cord, right? So I can listen to it in the truck radio, of course. And what I do, I unplug that once I'm connected and I'm listening on the phone on my headset. Okay. And I'm just wondering if that isn't cause creating the feedback because they're connected with that cord. So I don't know. It's just May, a suggestion. You might be right. I think I'm going to have to take my phone to a car and, and you know, connect it wired like that and, and just play around with it to figure out. That's the second time that's happened when it, where a caller uses the app to call us right from the app and then they're still hearing it in the background and that delay will make you crazy you, you it's almost impossible oh to yeah talk with that. It, it's just your brain won't work so i i understand how frustrating yeah, it is I, I just don't know how it's happening in the app i need to figure out when this is occurring and how do we yeah. avoid it yeah there yeah, there's other there's other times I notice too, and like people must have their radio on, and you're hearing that feedback oh, in, yeah. in your in the conversation <laughs> of listening to the show, and it's like, will you please tell them to turn know. that down? <laughs> I know it'll make you crazy. So, yeah, yeah. So well, that's all I got for today. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for the call. I think that's going to do it. We're going to wrap this up for today. Great show. 
Thanks for all the calls. Don't forget, go sign up for Dr. Wolfson's um, Summit. Great stuff. Um, listen to as much of it as you can. If uh, if you find the value, go ahead and buy one of the packages. But uh, right now, all I want you to do is let's just overwhelm them with numbers. There are 30 plus practitioners involved in this. So, you know, Dr. Wolfson obviously will have his clients and patients sign up, all these other 30. This is, a, you know, I'm very competitive. I want to be the number one referrer for this. And, and that's not just my ego, by the way. Um, when we bring numbers like this and we can show that kind of value, it helps us build these relationships that can help us. I mean, how many people get access to um, a, a highly renowned cardiologist who will answer your questions for you for free or all the other, you know, doctors and practitioners we bring in. And, and we can do that more and we can do it better with your help. And this is one of the ways. Go sign up. Doesn't cost you anything. You'll have total uh, control over whether or not you want to buy any of the material or not, but you can get access to it for free. So go right now to letstruck.com. Click on the link right there. You can't miss it and get signed up. I, I want to win here. Help me out. Uh, let's make sure we are number one on this campaign. We got a bunch of other stuff coming on, coming up. I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Tomorrow's a free for all. I haven't heard uh, what the status for the show is yet on Friday. I'll probably let you know that uh, tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey.